This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Let's do this. Another afternoon edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for you. Great to see everyone with us live on YouTube right now. And for everybody picking up Winnipeg Sports Talk on their favorite podcast feed, thanks so much for doing it. Great to have you uh, making us a part of your day. And if you do have the opportunity at any point to uh, you know, slide down there, give us a five-star rating, and maybe add a little comment in for your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk, it certainly is appreciated. For those of you on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button. And uh, you can always hit that bell as well so you'll get notified when we are live. Monday to Friday, the schedule is 1 o'clock. Occasionally, there's some extra shows that pop up depending on what's going on or even early starts. So always a good thing to keep in mind to uh, make sure you know when we are going live. Um, we got a real fun show today. We are going to be joined by... I think the guy that's given the most excitement to Winnipeg Jet fans, he did it through one interview and, of course, being acquired and traded by Kevin Chevalier from the Vancouver Canucks. We're going to have our first visit with Nate Schmidt of the Winnipeg Jets. We'll do that a little bit later on. Ken Weeb is also going to take a quick time out from his Manitoba golf tour, which has been um, nonstop, it seems, for the last little while. We'll check in with Ken Weeb. And before we do all of that, Darren Bombing is going to join us first up to uh, get the latest on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as they prepare for the Toronto Argonauts on Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. Um, before we get going, I want to give a big shout out to our family of sponsors helping us make this happen for you every day here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, along with our newest sponsor, Canadian Club, official sponsor of the Bombers. You can get your CC uh, all around uh, the uh, IG field when you're at the game, along with their other great products, as well as Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Paramount Services Limited, Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Breezy Bend, Quebec Canada, and Assiniboia Downs, where I'm very pleased to report to you. The Huss had his biggest win of the season last night at the track. A great night overall. I don't blame any of you for not following the picks at this point. It really has become a head-to-head competition between myself and Michael Remus. Uh, but maybe after last night, I oh, I certainly should have cut the gap a little bit. We'll see where we're at heading down the stretch. But it was a lot of fun night. We will get to some Cinnaboy Downs picks for tonight's night of live racing a little bit later on. Uh, but let's get Michael Remus in here and get the party started before we welcome in Darren Bombing to talk Bombers Argos in a few minutes. Remo, what's going on? How are you this fine Wednesday afternoon? Feeling good. I said, is a weird uh, time of the sports calendar. You know, NHL news, not much there. The signing has have all happened. We do have CFL, uh, NFL preseason starting up, Major League Baseball. I got a, a couple notes uh, on baseball for the end of the show, some funny stuff. But if you're a Blue Jays fan, I'm sure you're very... Uh, upset about the injury to George Springer that was announced um, yesterday. Yeah, well, you know what? Let's start with the Jays because we're going to have plenty of CFL talk and we'll have uh, lots of hockey talk. And again, there's not a lot breaking right now. I mean, this is the time when a lot of GMs are, um, you know, spending a much shorter time at their summer residences. 
I certainly hope Kevin Sheveldayoff's out with his line in the water somewhere. As we talked about, you know, the job he's done and uh, pretty much everything's ready to go for the Winnipeg Jets right now. I mean, I'm sure there'll be, you know, maybe a couple more depth signings for the hockey club, uh, but the roster pretty much set. And um, there was a lot of pressure on Chevy going into the summer. And, you know, I think, you know, we've talked about it plenty. Um, you know, there's been some big additions, including one of the guys that will join us later on today on this program and Nate Schmidt. That has um, cranked up the excitement and, th- and enthusiasm levels, I think, of Winnipeg Jet fans. Incredibly excited to not only get back to Canada Life Centre to watch the Winnipeg Jets, but, you know, sincerely optimistic and realistically optimistic about what this team might be capable of with these offseason additions. Um, but yeah, Remo, I mean, it was baseball last night. And first and foremost, did you watch the game? Were you able to find it? Because it wasn't on Sportsnet last night. Luckily... We are YouTube guys. Uh, I'm very familiar with YouTube. If you're not already, you should be because that is where the game was last night. And for Blue Jays fans or Blue Jays betters that maybe um, fired up it on their fired it up on their TV or their phone or their iPad, it was an ugly, ugly outing for the Jays. And um, you know, I realized Alec Manoa had really sort of spoiled Jays fans with the performances that he's had so far. I mean, just been a phenomenal rookie year. A night like that was sort of bound to happen, but uh, oh, it came at a bad time as this team really needs wins as they continue to push for a wild card spot in the AL. Yeah, what's going on? I thought the Nationals thought they gave up. I thought they traded away all their star players. What are they doing? Putting up how many on the Jays yesterday? It was like fourteen dozen. Dozen? Yeah, it's it's not going to get it done. I know the Jays. I keep seeing like they're in a real um, tight spot in terms of. You know, what uh, winning percentage they need to play the rest of the year to make the playoffs. I see Boston not, you know, maybe not been their best since July, but uh, it doesn't matter. They're in a, at a tight spot and Springer injury hurts uh, Manoa. I mean, a young pitcher, you know, sometimes they come in, Huss, and then they dominate right away. And then people start to figure them out. So we'll see if he can, uh, you know, continue his play aside from uh, the game yesterday. But that's, that's a tough one. You can't be dropping games uh, to the Nets. Us after they tr- you know traded away a bunch of their guys at the deadline. Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, and the Jays and Nats will tee off, or tee off. They'll uh, get first pitch going at about three o five this afternoon local time. And I will tell you, I know many of you may have checked in with us on the Lock Shop as Dustin Nielsen and I just finished up the show before we went live here in Winnipeg Sports Talk. We do have another pretty juicy Lock Shop partner parlay, which has the Jays this afternoon. The Red Sox minus half a run in the first five innings tonight against the Yankees. And then the Alouettes money line coming up against the Stamps in their rookie quarterback on the weekend. We got that boosted up to plus 675. So if you are a cool better, you can get over there. It's right in the uh, in the um, on the main page. Lock shop boosted odds partner parlay. It's at plus 675. Um, the Elks screwed it last week from going three in a row. But anyways, just putting that out there now because you need to get it in before 3 p.m. if you uh, do want it to be live before the Blue Jays game starts. And as always, if you haven't um, bet at Cool Bet before, use the promo code WST and you get a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200. Um, the, the baseball situation is interesting, Reem, right now. And I mean, I should also give a hat tip to uh, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes who, you know, were back on the road. Tough start last night, losing the opening of their series to uh, the uh, Gary Show Store Railcats. 
Uh, but the fish back at home playing a number of home games uh, this week. So for anyone that hasn't been out to the ballpark, if you've got your QR code over your card, um, the boys of summer are back and it's always an incredible evening in downtown Winnipeg. Uh, when you're out there uh, eating, drinking and enjoying the ballpark and gold eyes baseball. Yeah, of course. Some of the best views, I think, in the city. Always nice sitting wherever in the ballpark. Doesn't matter what seat. Um, I saw Jamarcus Hardrick of the Bombers uh, took his family out for a game. He posted that one on Twitter. So uh, I think great place uh, for families. And nice to see them back at home and having success. Uh, exactly. So we'll uh, we'll head uh, head to that a little bit later on. Um, um, well, maybe even tonight. Although I actually, we're now in heavy fantasy football season Remus and mm-hmm. I know you are not as much a full season fantasy guy that the attention span the commitment to your team just hasn't been there in the past you've turned into a DFS lifer yeah I however still am in a number of leagues and tonight maybe my favorite one is the dynasty auction we started off a little early rookie draft and all that so I sometimes it seems like where it's getting later and later every year that I really do the dive headfirst into the National Football League. Uh, but that time has come. We've just had week one of the preseason, and there is lots of NFL news happening pretty much every day around the league. But as we all know, the, the biggest and most important thing right now, Remus, when you're getting ready for your fantasy season or you're making bets for the year, is to try to decipher what is smoke and what is fire right now? And um, I'll tell you what, one of the most interesting things, and I'm seeing a report on ESPN that, you know, we there last week that Dak Prescott was going back in for, I believe, another MRI. Um, Dak Prescott might not play in the preseason. He, of course, was injured in the majority of last season. Um, there's always so much excitement and exuberance about the Dallas Cowboys because they are such a public team. They've got such a massive fan base going in. And, you know, to their credit, they've got a lot of you know, top flight football players on their team. But man, between injuries and the fact that Mike McCarthy is on the sidelines, I know Packer fans will probably back me on this. Um, Man, I don't have a lot of hope for the Dallas Cowboys, and I'm certainly not expecting them like some people are annually to be the team that's going to be representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and if it's fantasy season, you know, I normally say, you know, have your draft as close to the season as possible because you never know with injuries, but I guess you're going a bit early. Um, if you're paying attention to preseason, I think player usage is, uh, you know, in some key, you know, position battles, that's something to watch for. We did have a question yesterday, Hus, on Twitter. Someone was asking, you know, you mentioned you're on basically every fantasy website. Um, if someone is looking to start up a league or join one, what's, what's the best site? And I, my answer was, I mean, the default picks right now, ESPN, Yahoo, I think for your basic standard fantasy league, I think those are your best bets. Pick which one you prefer. Uh, they're, they're pretty similar. But after that, I, I don't know, too. I'm on CBS. I mean, you have to pay for CBS. I know. I think you're on a CBS league, too. You mentioned I'm, our- in, a C- I'm in a CBS hockey league, which has been great. I mean, yeah. I can't believe it. I think I'm in six or seven leagues, and like one of them, two of them are on the that's, same platform. That's crazy. It's a pain in the ass. I mean, one's at NFL.com, one's at Yahoo, two are at ESPN. The Dynasty League, if you're if you're if you're with a bunch of guys and you're trying to expand your league, you know, to you know, maybe have some keepers to expand into a rookie draft, to have multi-year contracts. 
Um, Real Time Digital Sports is a is a, a which originally was Fanball back in the day. They got bought. They got bought, and for a couple of years the site wasn't that good. It actually now is really good. I'm not sure what the costs are. The commissioner mm-hmm. handles that, but I will tell you that you know for larger leagues long term it was. And then the other league that's sort of really in depth that I'm in is one that includes you know a few keepers as well as. Um, individual defensive players. Oh my the god! The IDP <laughs> league. The IDP league is um, we, we host it at a site called Sleeper, and um, it's actually quite good. The you know the Sleeper you know utilizing it on your phone or on your tablet's good. I've just kind of started using it on the PC a little bit, so um, I, I won't give it a full endorsement. But it certainly does seem to be very thorough, um, can handle all the things that you may or may not want to do with your league. Because that's the one thing, Remus, if you're a commissioner and you say, well, we don't want to just do it standard. We want to do this or that and add to it. You better make sure that your site can handle it because the last thing you want to be doing as a commissioner is doing all sorts of manual changes on a weekly basis. That will be the downfall of your league. So start it off simple um, but if you do want to expand it, make sure that the place that you're hosting it, and to be honest, it'll be worth it paying a little extra for a good host if you want to put together a league that you're planning on doing it for the next 10, 15 years with your buddies going year after year after year. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And I've been a commissioner of fantasy leagues for, I don't know, 20, 20 plus years here now, Hus. But uh, I agree. Keep Make sure your site can handle the things. I don't like... Um, I don't like keeper leagues. The ones that I've been are have been terrible, and they have too you know too many keepers. I think you need to keep like two, maybe three guys max. Like some of these keeper leagues I'm in are more like dynasty leagues where you're keeping like half your team, which I think is stupid. And uh, I also yeah, as you mentioned before, I I'm not doing too much season long fantasy football because uh, I hate the head to head format. I think it's stupid. And it, too I many just, L's. It, it too just, many L's. Yeah, too many L's because of uh, the <laughs> the randomizer called the schedule, not because of your team, what their performance. And that is one thing I don't like about head to head. That's why I've gone to a kind of daily. But I know I know it's extremely popular, and that is the standard standard game mode. So I'm I've I'm aware always, of it. With all this, with all the leagues that we've set up um, in fantasy that you know are head to head based. We've all like say there's 12 guys in the league and everyone's putting in a hundred bucks. Like we've always made the total points for the regular yeah. season right. a significant a significant prize. So I mean, even if you get screwed by the schedule, you're but you're the best team all year long. You'll be getting say 500 bucks, and it's 500 bucks for the team that wins and 200 bucks for the runner up or something like that. There's there's way there's ways to handle that. Um, but listen, there's tons of content out there right now. I'll give a plug to uh, my buddy Dustin Nielsen, who, of course, will be calling. I think he told me he's calling now the next five Winnipeg mm-hmm. Blue Bombers games. So hopefully that'll be some good luck for uh, for the Bombers. He can get on a roll with Dusty in the booth. He is the biggest fantasy football freak that I know. And I think I told you this, Reem, but, but you know Andy McNamara's United League? Well, we talked about it with him earlier on, on the program. I don't know how he's doing it. I mean, I guess his AGM is going to be busy this week because it's a three-day draft with 32 teams and 53 players on the roster. Literally every position in football will be represented. I can't even wrap my head around it. Uh, If you're starting a league, I would certainly not suggest to go that route. But, you know, we've been doing this for 20 years, maybe more. And 
It never fails to amaze me how big this industry is and how many people are involved. And I've had some friends that have said, oh, I know you guys are all in fantasy, but I don't know enough. I don't want to get in. That's You will pick more up from being an NF, from as a casual NFL fan, from being in your fantasy league, just checking how your team's doing and having a little bit more interest in some of the other teams other than your favorite team. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. It is so much fun, especially if you're in with a good group of guys. But Reem, it does all start with the commissioner. If you're starting a new league, make sure you have somebody that is responsible and maybe most importantly has integrity uh, when you're setting up the league because there have been some horror stories of friendships that have gone down south because of a sketchy trade made before your league's trade deadline, even if it is just fantasy football. Yeah, I agree. And uh, there's no one who's got more integrity than me, which is why I'm such a great commissioner. <laughs> That's true. And a great <laughs> CTO. Yeah, so I agree with that. You don't want to be doing anything sketchy. It's kind of fun getting into these discussions. I used to like the in-person draft, bring bring you know food. I used to say you needed like plugs and Wi-Fi and uh, good food were the essentials. And of course, you know, places to sit and, and set up good essentials for an in-person draft. I don't know, are in-person drafts a thing right now? I know the the rules are relaxed. Well, it but depends it, if you're still paralyzed yeah. with fear because of COVID or you actually go out and, and do things. I mean, I yeah. guess it's, a, it's all a personal decision. If you're, I mean, if I wasn't vaccinated, I probably wouldn't be going in, into big crowds. But it seems like many of those people are the ones that care the least. So, again, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I would I don't. love to do an in-person draft. The one thing is, of course, with these platforms, and this is another thing for beginners that are thinking, oh, this is going to be so overwhelming. The amount of information and how easy these sites make it for you is, um, like, uh, honestly, take a swing, take the plunge into it. I, I think that 90, 95 out of 100 people that do it will be really happy they did, and you won't be overwhelmed. You'll learn a lot. It'll make it a lot more fun. So um, as a longtime fantasy player, I certainly, uh, I certainly suggest it, and you can do it for all sorts of sports, but NFL is the best just you know there's one set of games on the weekend you set your lineup once you watch the games and you get back at it um hey i want to give a shout out to some folks in the chat we've got a great crew first off our guy dallas pauls and remote dallas has been a huge supporter of ours um you know certainly dating back to the the pemina days right from the get-go here on winnipeg sports talk and uh, Dallas is often with us here, but a special congratulations. I just found out on Twitter that our guy Dallas and his lovely fiance tying the knot this weekend. So a hearty congratulations from the Winnipeg Sports Talk crew. And Dallas enjoys his 1919. So I have a feeling the reception, there might be a few cold ones going down with a very happy group celebrating one of Winnipeg Sports Talk's own tying the knot. Yeah, I know he's always tweeting at us, uh, visiting all the different, Sponsors here, DQ, uh, Little Brown Jug always tweets says Boston Pizza. So thank you, uh, you know, for supporting our sponsors. And yeah, definitely congratulations. Uh, there we got wrench doozers in here, fired up to see Nate Schmidt. Uh, we said need to make a sign. Nate Schmidt, CEO, Chief Energy Officer yeah. of the Electric Factory, and uh, he is a bit of an electric factory. I am very, very excited to have Nate Schmidt on the program. Um, and of course, Ken Weeb, there's a lot of things that we need to get to with Weber since the last time he spoke with us. So Ken's going to join us after 
uh, we have Nate Schmidt on the program, and we're going to start it off with the conversation about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the upcoming game against the Toronto Argonauts. Um, Remo, just before, and I know we're going to touch on this with DB coming up in a second, uh, nice to see Darvin Adams back on the practice field. Still waiting to see what the story with Andrew Harris is and when he might be a participant in practice, never mind a game. But I'll tell you what, going into Toronto after the way the Argo defense played quite well against Winnipeg, certainly shutting down that running game for the most part, the addition, potential addition of Darvin Adams, not saying he's for sure going to be in, would be a real nice boost for the Bombers as they go to T.O. for their first road game of the year. For sure. If you can add another weapon like that, I think that is big for them. Although, I mean, uh, Kenny Lawler, I think, has looked awesome, grabbing all, balls all over the place. Nick Dembski with a catch and run, and Rasheed Bailey catching that TD on play action. Those guys have looked very solid. But Darvin Adams, we know, you know, very good receiver in the past, so you'd like to see him back on the field. As for Andrew Harris, um, Ed Tate was saying he got a lot of work today, heaviest workload he's had in a long time, but still with the second team and Brady Oliveira with the one. So sounds like Harris... I mean, he's getting more action, but he's probably not playing this weekend. All right. Oh, by the way, special welcome to Mitch Jansen, who did drop in the most lucrative super chat, I believe, in Winnipeg Sports Talk history. Thank you again for that, Mitch. You did not need to do that. I would have still stumped for you in a Twitter amnesty with Gary Lawless. Um, But it was great to see you freed after 10 years in the penalty box of one Gary Lawless to be back out there. So uh, it was great. And I know you were checking out the races last night as well. Hey, Andrew Meyer, regular listener from Philly here. You guys are terrific. What's up, Andrew? Uh, Thanks so much for finding us. It's great to have you here. Haven't been to Philly many times. Had a great time there when we were there for the draft. Jeez, I don't know, six or seven years ago. Definitely want to come back and uh, love that sports complex we got there. We just went to a ballpark, but we got to see the link. I uh, got the, the arena there too. Uh, a hell of a sports town Philly is. Great to have you here uh, with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And uh, Turd Ferguson was saying, Hustler, why don't you be uh, talking about Turd Ferguson? I'm not exactly sure what I'm supposed to talk about, Turd, but uh, if you have any good takes, feel free. Hit them with us in the chat or at any point. You can hit me up on Twitter at Hustlerama, Michael Remus at M Remus, and always on all platforms. Winnipeg Sports Talk is available at Sports Talk WPG. All right, we're going to talk to DB, Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports coming up in just a second. Uh, but don't worry, I see the questions about Svechnikov and more. We'll save that for Kenny Weave a little bit later on. Um, Bombers not home this week, but they'll be back home next week taking on the Calgary Stampeders on Sunday night. Uh, of course, Canadian Club, a great sponsor of Winnipeg Sports Talk and also part of the official spirit team of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers with Beam Suntory. And it's not just CC. They've got the Salsa Tequila, the Brugal Rum, the Jim Beam Stillhouse. It's all there. If you're over beer looking for a cocktail at the Bomber Game or at your local liquor store, get the best in the biz. Canadian Club since 1858. And we will have another CC I Love Rye package to give away. We'll do that next Friday heading into the Calgary game. And then our big special prize we are saving. We'll do it kind of in conjunction with some social media promotion for Banjo Bowl Week and give that sucker away. We'll tell you exactly what it is coming up in the weeks to come uh, before Banjo Bowl Weekend. So big thanks to Canadian Club and the entire Beam Suntory team. James, KT, great to have you all on board. And uh, 
If you're uh, looking for a cocktail tonight, may I suggest the great taste of Canadian Club? I go ginger ale. Some people like Coke. I think you've seen the video. CC and ginger, hard to beat that. Um, Royal Sports, speaking of Nate Schmidt coming on, uh, people getting ready to maybe uh, invest in an 88 jersey. You can do that over at Royal Sports. Uh, an incredible selection of Winnipeg Jets merchandise, jerseys, pros, replicas. They've got it all, not to mention bomber gear and licensed merchandise from all of the top pro leagues in North America and really around the world if you include soccer. And this is my favorite time with all the new NFL gear coming in, getting ready for NFL kickoff in just a few weeks as well. Um, while you're there, check out the camping section. Uh, all the They're a Yeti dealer, some amazing Yeti products that they've got just coming in. See a picture there with the coolers and whatnot on the screen that Remus is dropping, uh, as well as bikes. Bikes have been hard to come by this year. They're still getting in stock. Uh, if you're looking for a great whip, uh, two-wheeler, Royal Sports has it as well. 650 Rally and EK and 750 Pemina Highway. And of course... Uh, really a Winnipeg sports talk legend, both in the chat and as a sponsor with us from day one. Our pal Nick, his wife Nikki, and the Nick and Nikki DQ group with four locations here in Winnipeg and southern Manitoba, just south of the city in Niverville, the DQ Northgate, the DQ Polo Park, and the Dairy Queen on St. Anne's. If you were thinking about a cold treat or maybe a great burger, chicken, it got it all at Dairy Queen Pop by and tell them the gang at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. And if you're thinking about an event that uh, a Dairy Queen cake would make you the hero to bring it, bring it to DQ Manitoba on Instagram. You can order in advance and pop by quick and easy. Pick it up and be the hero when you pop by that next gathering. Big thanks to Nick and Nikki for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk and Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. All right. Nate Schmidt of the Winnipeg Jets is coming up in a few minutes. First, though, let's hook up with Darren Bombing. And uh, DB joined us just before we went on the air because there's going to be a press conference right now and we plan to talk to him uh, getting at the upcoming Bomber-Argo rematch Saturday afternoon. And again, his game day Winnipeg show with Chris Walby that will be available on the Bonfire Sports YouTube channel earlier on Saturday before the game for your listening pleasure. So uh, let's hook up with Darren Bombing on Winnipeg Sports Talk. DB, what's going on? Great to talk to you again. Hustler, always good to be with you. We've got a rematch this early in the season, a home-and-home. Home. It's a rarity in CFL uh, scheduling, but uh, should lead to uh, an interesting matchup on Saturday. Yeah, a lot of home-and-homes, it seems, on the on the schedule this year for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, of course, the big one coming up in a few weeks with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders um, promises to be a big, big matchup considering the starts of these two teams. We'll get to the rest of the CFL in a minute, though. Um, first off, before we talk about the game on Saturday, uh, thoughts on a 2-0 start and a great defensive performance, really through eight quarters up until this point, allowing only 13 points in two CFL games. Very impressive start on the D side of the ball. No question. Who would have thought it was the defense and not Zach Kolaris and the new Buck Pierce offense that was making waves early in the season to allow two touchdowns through the first two games and both coming early in those games against the Ticats and against the Argos. It just shows how impressive this group is as a whole. There's always talk of that defensive front led by the Jeffs. Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat, of course, a lot of, you know, really strong players in the middle and rotating in uh, on that defensive line. Adam Big Hill, of course. But, you know, to have three 
rookie DBs starting in the secondary two starting in week one. And for the pass defense to be as good as it is, I don't know if it's those young guys on the back end playing strong or, you know, an impressing early, or if it's just the, the ferocity of that pass rush up front that has quarterbacks uh, kind of running for their life a little bit, but either way, in 2018 and 2019, this Blue Bombers team was the best run defense in the CFL, like hands down. Nobody could run on them. That's all teams can do right now. And if that's the way teams want to attack this Blue Bombers defense by running the football, so be it. The Bombers will do the same coming at you and they'll, you know, fight tooth and nail in, in the ball control game and, and uh, you know, time of possession and probably wear teams down. The you know, one thing that, that that stood out to me, Hustler, the one thing overwhelming is that now that we've had a chance to digest that game and talk to the guys on the Blue Bombers offensive line, maybe they feel they got out physicaled a little bit uh, at the line of scrimmage. I think that's the one area Winnipeg is really going to focus on going into this uh, game number two against the Argos. Yeah, you know, we'll touch on the offense in a second, but I, I do want to just speak to the secondary for a moment because I think we all realize that, you know, coming into the season, you know, with sales gone and Rose gone, I mean, those were big parts of a championship team and such an important position in a CFL product that, you know, focuses on the air game. Um, you know, Alfred and Nichols, I thought, had phenomenal debuts in the CFL I mean despite that first even the touchdown that went in the coverage was right there it was just a hell of a catch and obviously shut them down the rest of the way and then you added Josh Miller I mean I, I was pretty I, I was buoyed on the offense of the Toronto Argonauts coming out of that game against the Calgary Stampeders and uh, I'll be honest I mean these guys have answered the questions big time I guess that what happens when you bring in 35 or 40 DBs. You get some good competition in camp. And uh, sounds like they've got some pretty nice guys to carry the torch from that 2019 team. Yeah, 27 defensive backs the Bombers had in training camp this year and nearly 20 American rookies or first-year guys to the CFL. So you got Dietrich Nichols, who led the XFL with three interceptions during their shortened 2020 season. You have DeAndre Alford, who made his way from uh, you know an unknown NCAA school in Tecumseh uh, and you know here he is in pro football locking down a week one starter job in, in a secondary uh, David Rivers is somebody who will rotate in and is kind of there right behind Josh Miller who got his first CFL start uh, against the Argos in week two um, it says a lot about the you know the coaching that uh, both Jordan Younger the Bombers defensive backs coach does and defensive coordinator Richie Hall they coach these guys up well and you look at the veterans Brandon Alexander maybe first and foremost but Mike Jones and Nick Taylor um, you know Josh Johnson who's on the six game injured list with a head injury all those guys have been helping these young guys along there's no divide and conquer it's you know come together all for one and one for all they really do work uh, as a cohesive unit. And they're not worried about losing their job because they know Mike O'Shea values them being a good teammate as much as anything. So if they're being a good teammate and helping each other out, it makes the collective group that much stronger. Now that we're seeing some injuries come in, Mercy Maston done for the season with a torn Achilles. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, Josh Johnson out as well. Um, and those departures you mentioned, here we are, three defensive backs uh, who Bomber fans hadn't heard of just a matter of weeks ago. And well, you know, nobody can throw on this blue bombers defense. I was with you. I was expecting big things from McLeod Bethel Thompson, 354 yards in week one in McMahon, a tough place to play. 
and he comes into Winnipeg. It was a lot of two and outs and three play mm-hmm. series, um, and and they just couldn't get anything going. It was John White in the run game, a couple big chunk plays. Outside of that, the Argos uh, were, were pretty feeble offensively, and that's why we saw Nick Arbuckle come in in the second half. Um, the Bombers did make a couple moves yesterday. We'll, we'll discuss the offensive moves and who's out in a moment. But um, linebacker Kevin Brown was signed, a guy with some CFL experience. Uh, what was behind this signing and uh, where does he fit in in the uh, Bomber defense? Yeah, Kevin Brown, the second, I believe he goes by. Uh, three years with the Ottawa Red Blacks. Maybe a bit of a surprise uh, cut of the Edmonton Elks in training camp this year. Has that experience. That's valuable, especially early in the season. Linebacker is a tough spot to play. you got to kind of direct traffic a little bit and know what's going on. Sure, it helps if you have Adam Big Hill next to you. But this job uh, or or this move was really corresponding to the Blue Bombers being a little bit thin at linebacker. Yes, they have Jesse Briggs. You know, seven years CFL veteran, a rock solid Canadian and special teamer forced to fumble against the Argos. He's going to continue to start there. But Kyrie Wilson and John Terrell Rockamore, uh, who's a rookie and looked really good with an interception in week one. Both of those guys dealing with hip issues. Uh, So if they're going to be out for an extended period of time, Wilson's missed almost a month now and, and Rockamore has missed, uh, you know, about two weeks and, and is still not practicing. They need to make sure they have a contingency plan if that linebacking core continues to be depleted. But all things considered here, Hustler, the Blue Bombers depth showing to be maybe their strongest asset overall. And that's saying something. Well, absolutely. And, and and the ability to get a CFL veteran like Brown available to come in and join this club. I'm sure he's yeah. quite excited about the opportunity to come to a two and oh club after being on the street. And um, I'll tell you what, it's tough to get into the lineup. And if you do get into the lineup, you better show Mike O'Shea that you can carry your weight because this defense is, well, they're averaging six and a half points a game. And I think there's any coach in the CFL would be quite happy with that stat number. To bring Brown onto the roster, Kev Meredith was released. Um, Many people thinking that, well, that's it for Kev Meredith. But it's it's a little different than that, Darren, with him being here in Winnipeg, Certainly, I don't think he has the financial concerns considering the NFL money that, uh, you know, he had before coming to Winnipeg to live. Um, How do you see this playing out? Have we seen the last of Cam Meredith as a bomber? Is there still a path that he could possibly be back with the club at some point? Yeah, you're right. This was a corresponding move. You remove Cam Meredith from the practice roster. On comes Kevin Brown. I expect him to be there uh, for the time being. But with Cam Meredith, you're right. He signed multi-million dollar contracts in the NFL. Time with Chicago, 66 catches off the arm of Jay Cutler a few years ago, and then signed a big contract uh, with the New Orleans Saints. Ultimately, injury halted his NFL career uh, a lot sooner than uh, I'm sure he had hoped. But no, he's not playing in the CFL for money. He's not playing here to make, you know, a top end receiver salary in the $200,000 range. His bank account after a few years in the NFL is probably accruing more interest uh, than his uh, CFL paycheck uh, will give him. So he's a family man. He's here, uh, you know, uh, with his partner and his children in Winnipeg, and he wants to play football. I don't blame him. I don't think anybody would. It's a, it's about as good of a day job as you can get if you're able to do it. The Bombers have been extremely impressed with Cam Meredith as far as being a football player. He came in, was not healthy, I would say maybe you know four or five days into training camp, but he showed them enough in the early going that they were really impressed with him. Started the season on the practice roster. I don't think we've seen the last of Cam Meredith. Where's he going to go? 
you know, partner and kids are here, wants to play football, not doing it for the money. I think he's probably just going to lay low. And as Michael Shea stated yesterday, not healthy enough yet. But when he gets there, I have a feeling we're going to see Cam Meredith uh, in blue and gold. I wouldn't rule it out yet. Well, and, and it would be a great situation if the Bombers receiving core just stayed so healthy that they never needed another body. But that usually doesn't happen in professional football. Uh, speaking of the Bomber receiving core, it was great to see Darvin Adams back on the practice field this week. Um, How'd he look? What are we hearing about his available availability for Saturday? And Darren, just in your opinion, how much does Darvin Adams being in the Bomber starting lineup help things for Zach Caleros when it comes to stretching the field? Yeah, it's, it absolutely helps. You have a veteran there that is smart and accomplished in this league. It's going to make any receiving core as a group better. But again, that depth has shown the Bombers, especially with Kenny Lawler and the way Nick Dembski has been used in so many different ways that they can do without Darvin Adams if they need to. It was four weeks ago today, Hustler, that I saw Darvin Adams go down in practice with that shoulder injury. It scared me at the time because I saw the way his teammates reacted. A lot of kind of you know grimaces on their face like, oh, they saw something kind of bad happen. Um, all that said, it's been, you know, almost a month now, and Darvin has slowly worked his way back to catching footballs and throwing them back, uh, you know, to the quarterback, which is a positive sign with that that shoulder issue. Um, worked with the number ones on day one of practice this week. I wouldn't say he is definitely in or definitely out. I think they're going to see how he looks uh, into Thursday and Friday when they travel uh, to Toronto for that game on Saturday afternoon. So if you're a fantasy player, maybe be a little bit wary of that. I have seen the Blue Bombers give an injured player uh, returning from injury first team reps and they haven't played in the game. So if he's unable to go, Ardarius Stewart is another player that the Blue Bombers might tap. He's been limited in practice for the last couple of weeks. I believe it's a, a foot issue with him. Out of Alabama, third-round draft pick in the NFL, another uh, new CFL receiver here in Winnipeg that uh, is, is already opening eyes. So again, when you have all these options, you don't have to rush anybody back. That's why I'm a little bit uh, sheepish still on Darvin Adams playing on Saturday. Uh, all that being said, man, Zach Caleros has looked good. And, you know, we're talking yeah. with people around the Canadian Football League. I think there's still much more for this offense to show as a group. But the confidence that Caleros is playing with right now, I mean, there's been plenty of people, not even, you know, provoked by me, mentioned he's looking like the guy that was, you know, up for the MOP in 24, 2015. Um, the mobility that he has, and it seems the confidence he has playing behind that bomber offensive line cannot be overstated Darren no question and that confidence in Zach Caleros spills onto everybody and, and spills onto Caleros himself you're starting to see him really gel with guys early in camp it was Kenny Lawler and we saw that with two touchdowns in the first half in week one we see it with Nick Dembski the way they use him in, in the misdirection run game and in the the intermediate passing game those passes to Rashid Bailey and Nick Dembski in week two against Toronto both of those touchdowns pinpoint accurate I asked Dembski after the game if he could have thrown it any better one word answer no it was absolutely on the money and it's one thing okay we're, we're starting to see Zach Kolaris return to his form of being an MOP favorite uh you know over five years ago as uh you know the quarterback of the Ticats but we're also seeing him do things 
that maybe hasn't always been his bread and butter. And that's extend plays, roll out of the pocket, really make things happen when, when you know, the, the pocket begins to break down. Defenses are getting very creative in attacking this physical, extremely strong Blue Bombers defense or offensive line. So there's Claris able to break out of the pocket. And, and that confidence that they have in him spilling onto the receivers, they're, you know, starting to make things happen downfield. And that's what makes an offense extremely dangerous. When option one, two, and three go to the wayside, Zach Caleros can make some magic happen. And man, he's just throwing the football as well as he ever has. Accurate, strong, smart, maybe the most important of it all. Yeah, so a great start for the Bombers. They do go in and uh, get right back at it against the Toronto Argos. Now, I mean, I know the setting will be very different. I imagine there'll be a few more empty seats and the atmosphere might not be the same as it was, Darren. Um, but as far as this matchup goes, I mean, what uh, do the Bombers have to do better? and What will they be focusing on to uh, make sure they move on to week number four and back home to face the Calgary Stampeders at 3-0? Yeah, I think special teams is one area they would like to be sharper on. You know, overall, I think, uh, you know, their cover teams uh, have been good. Maybe they would like to be a little bit more effective in the return game. We've seen some chunks. Uh, you know, Janarian Grant is on the six-game injured list with an ankle injury. So enter uh, Charles Nelson, who will handle the majority of the duties. We're always going to see Kelvin McKnight, even Nick Dembski factor into that uh, as well. I think defensively, they would like to keep John White in check. He was a 100-yard rusher against the Blue Bombers in the first game. Well, uh, it'll be curious to see if he's able to hit that triple digit rushing number uh, in the rematch on Saturday. As far as the Blue Bombers offense, well, we saw Brady Oliveira go off in week one, really struggle in week two, just 2.2 yards per carry and not even 30 yards on the ground. I think they would like to have more ball control and more balance as far as uh, where they're effective uh, offensively. But overall, while the score was only 20 to six in that first game between Toronto and Winnipeg, the Bombers were in complete control in this game. Maybe Nick Arbuckle adds a wrinkle and, and Toronto's able to, to put up more points. Uh, you know, really, I look towards, uh, you know, the point totals in this game as, as the big wild card. We might see another low scoring game. If Nick Arbuckle is able to uh, create something different than the Blue Bombers saw from three, almost three full quarters of McLeod Bethel Thompson, it could be a very different game on Saturday. Yeah, well, and Dinweasel, for uh, his part, Ryan Dinwiddie, I always used to call him the Dinweasel. I guess now he's a coach. We should probably call him <laughs> by his proper name. Um, but, you know, he had Arbuckle taking first team's reps, reps yesterday, but said that they were going to probably be going with McLeod Bethel Thompson with first team reps today. I don't know whether that's just sort of trying to keep Mike O'Shea on his toes. Um, but anyways, I guess we'll see. It's far from a 100% clarity on who the starting quarterback will be. Um, and maybe that's just fine for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I'll add this, Hustler. I'm inclined after. to believe that it will be Nick Arbuckle because he got day one first Me team too. reps. He's coming back from an injury, you know, like he, he's probably not quite 100%. It's a glute injury, a lower body one. So give him that day one reps, install the game plan against the Bombers on Saturday. Give him some time off in the middle of the week. And then when it comes to that final practice day and walkthrough, I would be very surprised if it wasn't Nick Arbuckle on Saturday. DB, just quickly on the Canadian Football League, I'm, you know, I'm looking at the helmets beside you there at uh, Bonfire Sports HQ, and I can't help but stare directly at the two Alberta teams that are 0-2. I mean, what do you make of the starts of both Calgary and Edmonton 0-2 um, in their first two home games? Yeah, well, we learned on Tuesday, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell 
has not looked like himself, and it's because he had a broken fibula in his leg. So, you know, is that the reason why he threw a career-high four interceptions in Week 2? Maybe. Is it a reason why he definitely didn't look like himself in Week 1? Maybe. Either way, they're going to have to go without him. He's now on the six-game injured list. So you enter Michael O'Connor, time at Penn State, was excellent uh, leading the UBC Thunderbirds to a Vanier Cup a few years ago. And under Dave Dickinson, he's shown success in developing Canadian quarterbacks and developing quarterbacks overall. So I look towards Calgary as only headed up. They have strong coaching, good level of talent. The defense was essentially rebuilt. They have a couple guys returning, but a lot of new players um, mixed in with those veterans. So it'll be interesting to see when they're able to turn things around. Edmonton, I understand a lot of people had them as a Grey Cup, um, you know, dark horse coming into this year. Jamie Elizondo reunited with Trevor Harris. I've never been sold on the Edmonton Elks. I really need to see something before I even begin to think that they're a team that can really compete uh, with Saskatchewan and Winnipeg and even Calgary uh, in the West. BC is starting to look like a pretty decent football team. I need to see more from them as well. But, um, you know, 0-2 start in Alberta. It's got people shaking a little bit, wondering what's going on. Uh, But lots of football to play. Only a 14-game season, but we're going to see lots of these. Um, you know, a lot, lots of football still to play Calgary and Winnipeg back here at IG field next week for week four. Uh, that'll be an interesting game. This, uh, ravenous bombers defense against a rookie Canadian quarterback and Michael O'Connor. That's must watch. Well, I, you know, the, it'll have a little bit of a different feel when Bo Levi is not leading the Calgary Stampeders out at IG field against the blue bombers. Um, I will say this for the Edmonton Elks side of things. I mean, you could maybe get past the bizarre loss in week one where, I mean, they're off. They just simply couldn't get it into the end zone. They had a couple devastating turnovers, including a pick six that flipped the game later on. But I mean, defensively, they didn't give up anything. And it was 71 or 77 yards of passing and like a hundred yards of offense. I mean, that just simply never happens. And I think you could give them a mulligan if they didn't get thoroughly thumped by the Montreal Alouettes last week. I mean, I'm not sure whether we should just be that impressed with with what Montreal did in Edmonton, having not played a game in 18, 19 months, or realize that, you know, for all the things that Edmonton does well, there's a bunch of things that they're not doing well, and they are killing them on the scoreboard. I look at the Montreal Alouettes as, you know, they, they had the gift and the curse of that week one by the gift is a real extended training camp where they could be very ready for that game against Edmonton in week two. The curse being it'll probably bite them. That's one of their two bye weeks already gone in this shortened season. Um, Edmonton and Ottawa week one, like. Bad football teams looking really bad. And, you know, I like Paul Apolis. I like Matt Nichols. I think he can be a very good quarterback with the right team around him. But he's not going to knock your socks off and and put an offense on his back. So I didn't put too much into uh, the Elks defensive performance against them. If it wasn't for the special teams of Ottawa, I don't think they would have got a win uh, in week one. When you saw a Montreal team play against Edmonton in week two, I started to see a little bit more of a test and it it kind of confirmed my, you know, original theories on the Edmonton Elks, maybe not being uh, quite a complete football team yet. I'm very high on the Montreal Alouettes. Kahari Jones is a great leader of men. I think everybody there has bought into his system. And I think Vernon Adams uh, is a budding star in this league. If they're able to get things uh, a little bit more solid defensively, like to see Trevor Harris, 
He leads the league in passing yards. Uh, you know, James Wilder Jr. leads the league in rushing, if I'm not mistaken, but they can't get into the end zone. So if Montreal is able to, to fix those things defensively, you know, kind of playing that Richie Hall style defense, Ben, don't break, allow all the yards and the big chunk plays, but not touchdowns. Uh, I think Montreal is a team that will definitely compete with Hamilton, another 0-2 team, and Toronto in the East. Yeah, no doubt about it. Darren Bombing is with us from Bonfire Sports and your go-to spot before Blue Bomber football with game day Winnipeg, along with the legend Chris Walby. DB, fill people in if they haven't caught the first couple shows where, when, and what is game day Winnipeg and why should people be tuning in? Yeah, we're going to have your game day coverage. Uh, everything you need to know leading into Blue Bombers games, both home and away. You mentioned it, the legend Chris Walby. I couldn't ask for a better co-host for that. We have a lot of fun, some laughs, and really get into uh, what we expect to see in the game and give you all the information as far as uh, the starting lineups and the rosters and all that if you're uh, you're playing fantasy or, or, or dropping some bucks on the game. So uh, have tons of fun. You can find that on our YouTube channel uh, slash Bonfire Sports or bonfiresports.com. CA uh, as your uh, kind of one-stop shop to, to find everything. Make sure to give uh, Darren a sub over at Bombs, uh, Bonfire Sports, everybody. And, uh, you know, before you uh, get ready to watch the game at 3 p.m. on Saturday afternoon, give Bombing and Walby and their pregame coverage a listen. DB, thanks for doing this. Enjoy the game tonight, and uh, we'll catch up next week with the uh, Stamps coming to Winnipeg for game number four of the regular season before we go back-to-back back with the Green Riders in what is shaping up to be an incredible home-and-home home series with a couple teams potentially at the top of the Western Division. Keep crushing it on Winnipeg Sports Talk, Hustler. I'm a big fan. Thanks for having me on. All right, there's Darren Bauman. Great to have DB on the program. Um, we've got a big guest coming up, Nate Schmidt, live arm in the bullpen, ready to come out and join us. Before we do that, I want to thank Paramount Services Limited for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Paramount Services is a full facility maintenance company serving commercial HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and handyman services to all your favorite convenience stores and restaurants in Western Canada, doing it 24 hours a day, 365 days a year for just about three decades. If you're looking for a one-stop shop for kitchen and cooler supplies for your business or property anywhere in Western Canada, uh, give them a call. Ask for my guy, Carrie O'Brien. Or you can visit their website at ParamountServicesLTD.com for more information. And they're always looking for more qualified techs who specialize in HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and handiwork. Go to their website and submit your resume today. They are, of course, a member of the local plumbers and pipe fitters union. Big shout out to our friends at Not Auto Corp. If you're looking for a vehicle, start at Not. Whether you're looking for some of the Teslas, a Range Rover, some of the incredible new vehicles they've got coming in on the lot They've got it all there. They'll help you move out of your current car with their successful consignment program. They'll fix it with their Red Seal technicians in the service department, or they'll make it look like new with their detailing services. That and so much more. Why not get into the car for your dreams with the help of the Not Autocorp team, Not Autocorp, Waverly and McGilvery, and Not.ca. And of course, a big shout out to our friends at Boston Pizza. We uh, got a big bomber game on the weekend. Might be a good time to set up shop inside the lounge. The summer's here menu is live, including the burger Italiano, the fried chicken, honey dill sandwich, and some incredible patio drinks, including the peachy mojito royale, the white sangria smash, the galaxy fishbowl, and the bulldog margarita fishbowl. Summer's here at Boston Pizza. Bring your appetite. Sunglasses optional. All right. We've been looking forward to this next chat for a few weeks ever since our next guest was acquired from the Vancouver Canucks. 
It's an absolute pleasure to welcome in one of the newest members of the Winnipeg Jet defenseman, Nate Schmidt, who uh, is live on location today. Nate, what's going on? <laughs> Great to have you on the program and fill our listeners and Jets fans in on where we're talking to you at right now. Hey, no, thanks for having me on the show, guys. Uh, we're actually at Target Field watching the Minnesota Twins play right now. A buddy of mine had an extra ticket. I said, hey, it's afternoon game. Love it. Beautiful day outside of today. So here we are watching a little baseball, doing some doing some chatting in between innings. <laughs> well, I, I mean, uh, I really appreciate you joining us. And I will say that's probably the coolest spot. We've had someone join us on the program <laughs> since uh, we started a few months ago. So uh, first things first, welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk. It's a pleasure to have you on. And I can tell you from the excitement in the chat, uh, Winnipeg Jet fans, very, very excited to see you wear number 88 on that blue line this year. Take us through the last couple of um, uh, last month or so. I mean, uh, what was it like um, heading into the deal? Um, we know you got a call from Paul Stastny. You said, got something special going on here. And uh, the next thing you know, you're a Winnipeg Jet. Fill us in on how it all went down. Yeah, you know what? It was, I've never been to free agency, but like right before free agency, you know, started, it was a whirlwind of stuff going on. And, you know, there's calls being made and they said, hey, there's a chance, you know, you can move. And I said, okay, well, let's see how things kind of play out, right? And, and it honestly was a tidal wave of just information. I don't think I've talked to my agent as much as I have in 10 years <laughs> as I did in two days. Um, and it almost got to the point where, you know, like it took me like a day. Like, you know, I mentioned it before. I had to go up to the hunting land and just kind of decompress for days and just kind of go through everything that they were throwing on you. And then, um, you know, Winnipeg circled back around and said, hey, like, you know, we'd really love to have you. Um, but, you know, Paul was a guy that I really want to talk to. I play with him. And, and she's the guy that said, Shree, like, you're going to love what we're doing here. You, you guys can treat really well. We have a really good team. Our, our, our window is right now. I'm resigning with the team because I think we can go out and win. And he's like, you're going to love it here. We have a great group. And, and that's what you want. I guess as a player, right, you want to be you know, a part of that and something that you're trying to chase down a cup. I mean, that's that's what we do here at the end of the day. That's the reason why uh, why we lace them up. At least, you know, at least that's the reason why I lace them up. I want to go out there and hoist uh, you know, Laura Stanley. But you know what, and be in a, uh, be in a great place too. And it's just something that, and we're close to home, which always helps. Uh, kind of have to reacquire, reacquaint myself to the winter weather, but hey, went from a couple hours south, so it, should, should be, it shouldn't be too tough. <laughs> no doubt. Um, and, and listen, I mean, since this team got going back in 2011, we've, all, we've always talked about the Minnesota Mafia on the team right now, and uh, <laughs> that that is growing with you on the club. I mean, certainly there'll be some guys you're playing. We'll talk about the Beauty League in a second, but um, so probably some familiar faces that you at least know from Minnesota hockey. And then, of course, a guy like Paul Stasty, who's so respected in the league that you played yeah. with in Vegas – uh, probably a good guy from a Jets perspective to have in your ear when thinking about maybe making a move. <laughs> right. You know, Paul's the ultimate, like, you know, the ultimate pro and everyone's always said that he does things the right way. And when I work with him and even, you know, I picked up a lot of things from working with him for the last couple of years. And so he was like, Hey, should be like, this is, you know, we, this is kind of the way our group is. That's awesome. That's what you want. Like I said, that's what you're kind of, uh, you know, want to be involved with. And, you know, the team is, you know, you look around you got, you know, I know wheels from skating, man, when I was in college, he was a pro. He, it's just, you know, you the Minnesota hockey community is really small. <laughs> so uh, you get to know a lot of guys, especially as alumni. Um, it's awesome. I mean, then Neil Pionk and I play together in the Beauty League. Always a treat. He's uh, he's an interesting character. I sure like to play with him. You know, unfortunately, this year hasn't, hasn't been on my team. But uh, uh, thankfully, during the season, we'll be able to change that this year. Uh, Nate Schmidt of the Winnipeg Jets with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for the first time. 
Um, you know, you had a lot of experience playing against the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, certainly all of us here remember that Western Conference final series back in 2018. And then, of course, your one year with Vancouver was spent inside the, you know, Canadian division, which is a very strange year. And you played the Jets tons. I mean, what yeah. were your thoughts of Winnipeg before you got the calls from Kevin Sheveldayoff and your agent? They were looking to to acquire you. I mean, what when you thought of the Winnipeg Jets as an opponent, what came to mind, Nate? Well, first, you guys are the world-class goaltender, right? He's an unbelievable goaltender that has been for the last couple of years. I mean, you look back to our, our Western Conference Finals games. I mean, I, you look at what the future is for him. And, and with Marc-Andre Fleury, it was an incredible battle. The games were tight. It's just it's fun to be a part of. It's fun having a guy back there that you can always rely on. And thankfully, I've been blessed to play with some great goaltenders in, in the league, with, from the Holpe to <clears throat> to Flower and you know Thatcher Demko is you know is a is a heck of a player as well and um, in this league and now Connor Olbeck it's it's just awesome you guys so you have to start there um, but you know what's a team the way that they play that they play an up tempo uh, style they want to get in your face they want to go after it and get up into the play and have their D join and and I felt like you know that's something that really kind of tailors to my game and you know what it's just from talking with the guys you know it's it's so important chemistry in the room. And you can talk around the guys and say, you know what, this is such an important part of, of hockey. I mean, you have all the things that are going on the ice, everything that you guys see, but it's all the stuff that happens behind the scenes, which is an incredible, an incredible piece to puzzle, you know, when you try to put together a team. Well, and you mentioned Connor Hellebuck. It's kind of hard to talk about the Jets without mentioning a Vesna Trophy winning goaltender. But from a defense perspective and a defenseman that certainly does like to do things in both ends. Uh, what does playing in front of a guy like Hellebuck do for the confidence of a defensive unit from one to six and a player like yourself? <laughs> it gives you a lot more uh, at ease knowing that he's back there, right? And uh, uh, you feel a lot better about knowing that if something does happen, we, did, we could do get caught up the ice. you got a, a world-class goaltender back there. But you know what? Uh, I think that's something when you look back and say, wow, you know what? It's an incredible part to have to your team. I think everybody, every team that's been winning the last – you know, 10 years or so, it's all based off of, you know, always having a great goaltender, having someone on the back um, to kind of propel yourself and, and kind of be your motor, right? You know, our forward group is incredibly talented. I'm really excited to see a lot of, you know, like with Dubois getting in a full season in and, and you know, it's it's hard. Last year, changing teams was tough. You know, just with everything that's going on, all the normal things that you're so used to as a team, as a player, when you're out on the road, all those things. Like, you couldn't do any of that stuff. So that makes it really difficult for guys. But I think this year, when you have these types of, you know, with, with Brandon Dillon, myself, um, you know, debugging the whole year, it's going to make a big difference for our group and being able to be together for most. Well, and, and you know, and, and it's hard to talk about your addition without talking about Dylan as well, because they sort of came within 24 hours. Yeah. And, um, I'll tell you what, I mean, the uh, we were quick to raise the off-season champions banners here in, uh, in, <laughs> in the thing, because, I mean, this was such a big, big need for the Winnipeg Jets, and the way Sheveldayoff was able to acquire not one, but two guys that could, you know, literally be plunked into the top four, immediately it makes this uh, makes the team better. Um, but I, I do have to ask from your perspective, I mean, you know, a guy like Dylan, and of course you played against them, uh, you know, in some pretty big games in the past. Yeah. Um, 
do, when you look at at the top four, let's include Josh Morrissey and Neil Pionk of that group. Um, is there is there a natural spot for you? Have you talked to them about where you'll start and maybe touch on playing the right side? Because so much has been made of, you know, the Jets' right side, which formerly had Truba and Bufflin and Myers. There's been a huge change and really a need for someone to come in, be comfortable on that side, and um, be able to log some significant minutes for uh, Paul Maurice. Yeah. You know what? Just getting back to the first question, Brandon Dillon is a guy that had, comes in with such a you know personality and, and such a mantra to him everyone that you've talked to everyone that i've talked to you know and i've talked to him as well he's a phenomenal guy and he's, he, he's a heck he's a son of a he's a son of a b to play against too that makes it even better right you have a guy back there that's big and, and heavy and can play a lot of different styles of games it's 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 awesome you know that was right before the my um kind of deal went through like hey we're gonna we're all get to this guy brandon dillon i was like wow you know what this we're really going for this a revamp on the d the decor side that for me is I've played on the right side, but it's dating back to when I was a junior. It's always just been something out of necessity. I always had too many lefties when I was playing a junior, too many lefties when I played at school, uh, too many lefties when I got to Washington. And so it was always, you know, and I said this before Brooks Orpik wasn't playing the right side. So it was my, it was my choice. My, in order for me to play, I had to play on the right side. And so you just get comfortable being on the offside. You get comfortable with, um, the angles and the defensive positioning a little bit more. I actually think playing defense on the right side is actually easier because you stick to the outside. You allow you allow yourself to um, put it out there and not have to give up your body position. And so I think actually on defensively, um, it's it's a little bit easier to defend. Now breaking pucks out on the backhand is is obviously something that you have to learn over time, and it's not always the prettiest way. But uh, it's something that for me, you know, we've talked to, uh, talked to Coach Maurice, and you know what. Uh, there's going to be a couple of different uh, you know, variations. You know, we're going to try a lot of different things in camp. Like I just, wherever you guys feel comfortable, we're going to go from there. So once we get kind of rolling through camp, I think things will start to shape up. Tell us about that first chat with uh, with Co- Coach Paul Maurice. And, and did you know much about Maurice? Had you had any connections with him beforehand other than being uh, on the other side when he may have been losing it on the bench at some point <laughs> against your team? I love it. You know what? It's like George Gallant, same thing, right? That, that animation, it gets guys fired up on the bench. I love it. I love the intensity, the passion. I think it's really cool when he's getting the guys going. And, you know, I think, uh, I, you know, I personally didn't have any any, any um, interactions with him before, but I know him and Pete DeBoer are pretty close. And, you know, I loved playing for Pete, um, play a similar style. is another reason why you look at it and say, wow, this is something that I've thrived in, you know, previously. I'd love to get back and try this and be a part of something like this again. Uh, but our chat was great. You know, we, we just talked. He's, just, he's kind of a no-fluff guy, kind of gets it to you straight, and that's what I love. I love that type of open communication of uh, of that type of that type of dialogue. Um, we had a we had a couple deals in place. You know, we'll, we'll see how those play out during the year. It should be fun. We got a couple things under the table that uh, you know, a couple aces up his sleeve as he calls them. So <laughs> it should be fun. I think there's gonna be a couple things of practice that you guys are enjoy seeing. <laughs> hey, I've got to ask you. Um, did you happen to see Kevin Weeks's Paul Maurice impression that was running around the internet last week uh, talking I, about I, his I, first I, playoff start? I've, I've, I read it. I haven't seen it, uh, actually seen the video yet. So I will, I've been wanting to check that out. I've heard it. I heard it's incredible. So uh, I can't wait. 
It is five star, without a doubt, one of the funniest things I've seen from a hockey player. And uh, you being a guy that obviously loves to have a good laugh will absolutely enjoy it. And I'm sure you'll probably get to see some of that firsthand, a lot of the stuff that we don't get to perfect. see. Nate, yeah, Nate Schmidt of the Winnipeg Jets is with us here uh, on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, it was clear, honestly, from watching you on the opposition team that you come with a real, I mean, an incredible energy level to pretty much any situation and are a guy that really does like to have fun. And to be honest, from my perspective, even as much as you're going to bring to the team on the ice, I think this Winnipeg Jets team is going to really benefit from the type of player you are off the ice. Can you just speak to a little bit about that, about loving every minute of the opportunity you have and going in and Hey, if you're going to be doing it anyways, you may as well have a good time doing it. Yeah. You know what? You kind of embrace the grind, right? You embrace the, uh, the, you know, the, the tough things about the job, right? And it is, you know, sometimes you forget it is a job. You know, we do get paid to have fun uh, every day. It's the way I like to try and go into the rink. And I think it's something that uh, it really is contagious, right? Things start going a little bit astray or things don't go well. And, you know, times are tough. It's going to happen throughout the season. The best teams always go through it. Uh, and not getting down on yourself and on your team and on your system and all those other things. I think that's a huge part of hockey. Here's part of the mental battle as, as uh, an 82-game season goes through or like a 56-game, you know, super condensed season like we did last year. It's hard. You know, there's going to be times this season, and, and for us as players, you got to find ways to, you know, try and enjoy it and never hit the fast forward button. That's, that's something I always tell younger guys. Never never be like, oh, I'm going to gear up the playoffs. Can't wait for the playoff push. Or I can't wait, you know, for all-star break. You know, so I get to see my family again or whatever. I'm like, Enjoy these days in between because these are the days that you'll never get back again. You know, like when you're playing and, and you're you're going up and, you know, stretching in the morning and someone, you know, says something and does something funny and everyone's talking about it for the next couple of weeks. You know, a guy gets a nickname that day and everyone remembers. So I think it's, it's the things like that. It's the small things that everyone usually uh, will remember as the, as the year goes on. Uh, I think that is a great thing for the Winnipeg Jets in addition to what you'll be doing when you're on the ice. Nate Schmidt's with us. Speaking of fun, you're legendarily the uh, guy that brought the Mario Kart game from Washington to Vegas. Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you still roll that around with you? And uh, do you have any plans for what you might introduce into the Jet Room for the upcoming season? I got a couple ideas. We'll see how they stick. You know, I don't want to be too much too quick, you know. <laughs> but the, uh, the N64 is actually hooked up at the cabin right now. It will be in a bag, ready to rock uh, for the road trips this year, just in case we can't go out and and do anything. So it'll always be with me, just no matter where we go. <laughs> hey, uh, it's always you know, fun. You... Hey, not, nothing's better than throwing a couple red shells around in Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> no, no doubt about that. Hey, you mentioned last season and just how weird it was. Um, I mean, I think everyone's hoping that we're going to get to a place that, um, you know, a lot of these restrictions aren't on. But, you know, as a guy that's been in the league for a while – that has been through, you know, losing part of a season, going back into a bubble, and then playing in the circumstances you did last year, and not to mention being part of a team that had the most significant COVID outbreak in the National Hockey League. I mean, when you look back, I mean, is it just a crazy blur right now, or are there some things that, you know, maybe make you appreciate more, hopefully, what will be to come going forward for everyone that went through it? Well, let's decide about one thing. First things first. Playing without fans is tough. It gets hard. It's amazing how much energy we grab from the fans every time you come into a rink. Doesn't matter if you're playing in, you know, on the island on a Tuesday night or whatever. I mean, you always get that energy of being inside a rink and at buzz. And you know, maybe maybe one team's coming up a home stand. We're coming home after ten days on the road, and it's just whatever it is. It just it brings so much 
energy and joy and happiness to you and myself and it's the guys you come out to warm-ups you feel the energy and it, it was hard last year and a half was really tough you know, having to kind of get yourself going and get yourself up for every game when you know it's just you guys on the ice every night you know it's it's uh it was tough it was definitely you, you take a lot of things for granted that's probably the biggest one and just being able to go out you know with the guys and you know and, you have a tough night, go and have a pint or you know, something just to kind of put it behind you. You couldn't do any of those things. It's just, it's home and it's home rank, home testing, back to home, back to testing. You know, it was just, we were a little bit, it was a little bit too, uh, it was just too crammed up last year. Hopefully the things open up, it'll be a lot better. But I, I am excited to see that the Jets put it out that uh, there are a lot of people under the rank this year, which is going to be awesome. There isn't, uh, there's a two, uh, many of the buildings that I'd rather play in, especially when it's buzzing. I, I, you know, I, I think it's right there at the top of the list. Yeah, the bell place. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Excited for it to finally be back. Well, I can tell you, the fans are fired up. <clears throat> that opening game uh, with the new faces like yourself and Brendan Dillon, I think you're going to have uh, going to get the welcome that um, you'll just <laughs> see how excited people are in this city uh, to get things going on this season. Um, Nate, I, I do... I do want to ask you one question that's more baseball related before we go, but the final one sort of on hockey is, I mean, when you're trading, you've moved before, but um, especially in such a compacted off season, I imagine that puts a lot more things on the table. I mean, what have you been doing the last kind of two or three weeks? You mentioned the beauty league, maybe touch on that, but just from life, I mean, how many things are sort of on your plate when you go through a move like this? And uh, is the to-do list a lot longer when you get to Winnipeg than a normal year? Yeah, to do this has been has been big, and it's gonna stay that way for the foreseeable future. But I'm really okay with that because we've been doing not much for the last year and a half. So uh, I've really kind of enjoyed you know, ever since I've been home. I mean, it's been I'm trying to see as many of the people I haven't been able to I have a big family and and uh, buddies that are around town. It's been awesome to see everybody again. And like I said, I've been kind of a yes man all summer. Like, hey, want to go to the game? Yeah, want to play beach volleyball? Sure. You know, <laughs> whatever the guy, whatever anyone's up to. So, uh, but uh, yeah, this year is going to be a little bit more um, stuff to go through, especially with the move and getting our stuff out of, uh, you know, out of Vancouver, then out of Vegas still. It's been a little bit of a back and forth, but I think we'll have everything. All, and the Jets have been really, really accommodating to help move everything, get everything all squared away, kind of take the pressure off, which has been really nice. And, and the guys on the team to help you find out where to live and do all these things. Actually, staying at former Jet Cody, you know, Winnipeg native Cody Eakins' place uh, for the first part of the year. So, know that I got a somewhere I'm already going to, which is nice. Is great. Now, Nate, you, of course, people are wondering where. Uh, where Nate is. Nate is actually at Target Field right now, taking a little time out of the Twins game to join <laughs> us here. And I cannot have you on the program for the first time without talking. What certainly amongst Winnipeg sports talk listeners is a top 10 sports moment of the year. Your catch in Vegas <laughs> in that softball game. Can you please set this up for our listeners? Once we're done, we'll play it for the folks that they haven't seen it. But this, you talked in an interview about playing a whole bunch of different sports. You're obviously there um, spending some time in the outfield. And the scene at that game looked pretty wild as well. Take us through what happened there. So it's a charity event, right? We're playing against the, you know, some ex-Vegas guys. And I spent a lot of time there in the summer. Um, still have the house there just because a lot of guys, I mean, guys that have been here, there and gone, um, have come back and, you know, it's beautiful this summer to play golf and all that stuff. But, uh, um, yeah, so we go down to this game, there's 15,000 people packing this triple A ballpark. And it is 
I mean, it's buzzing. We're in there, you know, it's, it was a, it a tremendous event. They raised over $180,000, which was awesome for autistic kids and kids that want to play, uh, you know, underprivileged kids to play baseball, which is awesome. And so Ryan Reeves and I were sitting out there and, you know, the guy hits a home run. I go, you know what? That's a joke. I'm going to jump over the fence and just catch it next time. Um, so the ball gets hit and we're sitting out there. We're kind of both trotting back. And he's like, you jumping over the fence? I go, I don't think it's going to make it. Sure enough, we started running back. And honestly, it's probably one of the top 10 highlights of my <laughs> sports career, sports career as well. And you know, all of a sudden I see it and the fence is pretty short. So I can put my hand down on the, on the railing. And sure enough, when I go up, I, I had it in my glove and honestly went bananas. I couldn't believe it actually happened. My heart was going a million miles an hour. The crowd went bananas. Uh, it was awesome. It's something that, I, to be honest, I watched probably 10, 15 times after it was over. <laughs> so I'm like, this is sweet. Uh, it was awesome. Did I just do Super that? Cool. Yeah, I was like, did that just happen? So it was pretty cool. I, I was pretty pumped up about it. Well, I can tell you what, if the uh, if the twins maybe need uh, need an extra bat or somebody in the field, just uh, give them your card from uh, the section you and the boys are sitting in this afternoon for the ball game. Nate, listen, I won't take up any more of your time. Hopefully we can get a chance to do this again once you get here to Winnipeg. But this has been a lot of fun. Uh, Jet fans are absolutely fired up to have you here in Winnipeg and on the blue line next year. Enjoy the rest of the game. We'll see if the Twins can come back. Have a great rest of the summer, and we'll look forward to seeing you here in Winnipeg to get this season going. Yeah, awesome. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, and uh, we'll do this in person someday. (laughs) (laughs) Count on that, my friend. Thanks so much. (laughs) Sounds good. Thanks, Jens. There he is. What a fun conversation that was. Nate Schmidt of the Winnipeg Jets, and um, I don't know whether we'll play this right now or at the end of the program, but the catch I am referring to, if you have not seen this before, I mean, I'm not just fluffing the guy. This was an app that, you know, that this is the, this is the, the bait, the softball equivalent maybe of uh, our next guest, two holes in one. Well, maybe not that that's still, that's still right up there. Uh, but yes, you know, when I mentioned two holes in one, Ken Weeb is coming up, but before we do that, do want to thank little Brown jug for their great support of Winnipeg sports talk. You know, we were given Dallas congratulations on his, impending nuptials coming up this week and uh, i know he was out with uh, i guess the people in his wedding party having a few and uh, i have a feeling there'll be a few 1919s cheers at dallas's wedding on the weekend um even if you're not getting married it's always a great time to enjoy the great taste of little brown jug you can get it delivered directly to your home simply and easily by going to littlebrownjug.ca If you order by 4 p.m., you'll get same-day delivery within the city of Winnipeg. And, of course, you can pick the 1919 Up and the Great Summery Variety Pack, which includes the new Summer Lager, the Hefeweizen as well, at any local body shop. Or pop down and see them on William Avenue, a beautiful patio to enjoy some beer, a slice of pizza. Uh, You can check the events page on their site for some of the live music that's coming there. Um, And again, you can pick up great merchandise and see where the magic happens at Little Brown Jug over on William Avenue. Northern Trust on the PGA Tour gets going tomorrow when we talk golf here on the program. We always do it courtesy of Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club. What a season it's been out at Breezy. And next year could be shaping up to be even better as all of the course improvements they've been doing over the last couple of years will be fully ready to go. We just saw that sixth fairway getting seated last week. If you're looking for a home for your family's golfing for the upcoming year, get on that waiting list. Talk to Corey Johnson. 
or hit them up at breezyben.ca for more information. Um, and as far as the PGA Tour goes, top 125, including Roger Sloan, the Canadian who had that T2 last week at the Wyndham to get into it, maintain the card for next year and go for the big money. The event starts tomorrow. Uh, we actually went over quite a bit of the uh, picks and whatnot, a studded leaderboard when you're talking about the FedEx Cup playoffs for the Northern Trust. Dustin Johnson coming off that ridiculous 11-shot win last year when he went 30 under par. And uh, we also have to shout out our friends at Aikens Lake and Cool Bet Canada. Uh, cool Bet, we've got, we still have a little bit of time. About an hour if you want to get in the lock shop boosted odds partner parlay. We did that from the shop earlier. I got the Alouettes money line. Dusty's on the Jays today. And Chris is on the Red Sox. Their bullpen stinks. We're going to take them in the first five innings minus a half a run. Those three come in. We've got to boost it up to plus 675. You'll see it on the made page at coolbet.com. It's the lock shop boosted odds partner parlay. And don't forget, if you haven't played there, you can utilize the promo code WST for a 100% bonus up to $200 on your first deposit. All right. Um, that was a lot of fun. Remote, do you, do we have the, um, do we have the, 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 the catch right now? I know people are still all over it or do you want to wait till the end of the program? One sec. I can pull it up. Hold on. Yeah. Let's get this up. I know we actually, we can get Ken. We've spent uh, his fair share of time on a ball diamond as well. I think it might be good. We'll both get Ken's thoughts on the conversation we just had as well as this, but people are dying to watch it. If you are listening on the podcast, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll tweet this out again from uh, at sports talk WPG. And if you're not following us on Twitter, uh, please do uh, as well as the other feeds coming up. Um, we can tell you that tomorrow on the program, we're going to have another member of the Winnipeg Jet join us, Andrew Kopp, who's got a new new deal. One year, he's going to join us. Uh, very much looking forward to that. And we'll also break down all the Week 3 CFL matchups with Marshall Ferguson, who is quickly becoming, in my opinion, one of the best analysts of the three-down game. Uh, and on Friday, we'll have a lot more on the Bomber-Argo matchup on Saturday's game. And we'll also have the return of none other, then the Hacksaw himself, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. It's been a while since we had the NFL notebook, but we need the NFL notebook right now as people are getting ready to make picks. They're getting ready to get their fantasy seasons ready. And you just want to see how much excitement <clears throat> they should have for their team coming into this year. Um, so we're going to get Ken Weeb on in just a second, but here it is. This is the catch that Nate Schmidt was just speaking about. 15,000 at this ballpark. It's Schmidt and Reeves in the outfield, watch the play and the excitement that he brings. And, you know, you should be excited when you make a catch like this. Check this out. I, you know what? He's probably as fired up after that than almost any goal that he scored as a professional hockey player. And it was funny that he he copped to watching that thing 10 or 15 times. If that was me, oh, look at that catch. It's just amazing. Uh, what a guy he was, and what a what a debut on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We've been waiting to have Nate on. He was phenomenal, and um, you know, really the first uh, appearance that he made outside of his um, first media press conference was with our next guest, as he joined one Ken Weeb along with Sean Reynolds, who are um, in the opposite of hibernation right now. They're not doing a lot on the Kenny and Rennie, but Ken as maybe the most prolific amateur golfer, not as far as winning, but far as holes played, continues his epic Manitoba golf tour. <laughs> Weaver, what's up? How are you? 
Uh, Huss, I am tremendous. Uh, thank you for having me. A great star-studded lineup today. I was able to catch both DB and Nate Schmidt, and uh, I'm going to just come right out of the gate. As someone who played the outfield for quite a few years, uh, that is one of the most spectacular catches I've ever seen at any level in any sport. Uh, and the subsequent celebration and admission that I went back and watched it uh, hundreds of times is absolutely tells you all you need to know about Nate Schmidt. This is a guy who uh, you know embraces life. He oozes passion and uh, that's just a fa- I love the fact that he also called a shot but the plan was just to jump over the fence and be like the guys the relievers in the bullpen uh catching it but you know he actually caught it and made an unreal play so uh this is not a Jose Canseco off the noggin over the head for the home run special this is like one of the best uh highway robberies you'll ever see on a ball diamond and uh, like I said, the passion of the celebration. Uh, as someone who uh, enjoys a little bit of a celebration and uh, and a great catch, uh, that's just fabulous. And great on Nate Schmidt to be joining you from uh, one of the most scenic ballparks in the major leagues. And as someone who's been to all 30 parks, well, with the exception now of the new Texas Park, uh, Target Field is in the top 10. And you know us, uh, Jays fans will be thrilled to know that next year's season series at Minnesota will be happening on May long weekend. And I would imagine that as long as those borders are open and we don't have any COVID issues, there's going to be a massive brigade going from Manitoba to Minneapolis next year, 2022 season. Yeah. um, You know, great. And and yet for those that maybe popped in earlier and wondering, someone asked if he was in the shower. I mean, that would have been a pretty, pretty elite shower if that's where he was but no he was in <laughs> Those the, the outfield tiles right there those are just beautiful <laughs> exactly so to have it and you know we had to show that and talk about him a little bit but i mean as far as we've talked about this a little bit before probably more off air than on air um i don't want to say the jets is a team at times they were a little stiff and you know it, the they're building teams there's so much more than just simply what the guy can do on tape um, it's hard not to listen to Nate Schmidt speak and get a smile on your face and feel some of his energy. What do you think that can do for the Winnipeg Jets? How beneficial in your mind will that be for the Jets as a team, considering what they hope to do next season? Yeah, no doubt that's a factor, Huss. We know the Jets talked uh, openly about being a pretty close-knit team in the last couple of years, and, and they were. But uh, this is a guy that brings incredible energy, as we mentioned. The passion level that Nate Schmidt will bring and the joy level. This is a team that could use a little bit of joy level at times. There's nothing wrong with a business-like approach. And the, J- the Jets' leadership is filled with business-like approach guys, and that's good. But you also need to have guys who love coming to the rink every single day and are fired up about it. I mean, I think one thing, even Nate told us, you know, back, you know, when the trade was made, he's the guy that's organizing the master's pool and the NCAA bracket. I mean, he's the guy that wants to bring people together, uh, whether it's on the ice or off the ice and for events, dinners, whatever else, COVID would have been really hard for a guy like Nate Schmidt, who is a really social guy and loves the gatherings and bringing people together. And when you're sort of stuck between home, hotel, rink, I mean, that's got to be hard on everyone. We know that, but it was really tough on a guy like Nate Schmidt. Uh, and the on-ice portion, I mean, he kind of got away from the things that he's really good at. He's an aggressive guy, loves to get up in the plays. He gets physical with people. I mean, uh, he talked to, you know, on that NHL Network interview about being more explosive, getting back to that explosive style of skating and 
I, I know you asked him specifically and, and he wasn't ready to take the bait, but uh, I think Nate Schmidt is going to be playing on the top pairing with Josh Morrissey. And I think you're going to see Brendan Dillon with Neil Pionk. Yes, we're going to see some juggling. And, you know, when the Jets are down, maybe you see Pionk and Morrissey go together. But I fully expect that Nate Schmidt is going to be the new partner for Josh Morrissey. And I think there's a great potential for that unit to be exceptional. And I also like what you could see with Brendan Dillon and Neil Pionk. I mean, we know that Derek Forbert, uh, you know, had a pretty decent first half. Things kind of tapered off in the second half. But, uh, you know, you have a little bit more ability with Dylan and you have a little bit more uh, meanness, I think. He's a little bit more physical play and he's a little bit more mobile and he really does a great job of keeping the front of the net clean. So that pairing, I think, is going to be very stable. And then I think Nate Schmidt is going to be a great partner for Josh Morrissey. I think you're going to see Josh Morrissey play like he did against the Edmonton Oilers in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And Nate Schmidt will have something to do with that. Nate's a guy who can jump into the rush, but he's also a very defensively sound individual. He makes smart, quick reads. He's a great puck mover. And as I mentioned, his, his mobility is something and his competitive nature uh, are really going to allow those two. I, I think you can get back to seeing Josh Morrissey where he was at in that Jacob Truba, Josh Morrissey pairing. Um, yeah. But I mean, the, in terms of the the personality and this is a guy that has incredible desire to win Huss. And, and that's another thing you're bringing in guys that have experience, you know, Brennan Dillon, Nate Schmidt, they both been to the Stanley cup final. Uh, they've been to the Western conference final. They know what it takes to get there. They've been on winning teams and they know what it takes to win. And I think those are two huge, qualities and then you're bringing in two exceptional people and also keeping another in Paul Stastny who as you mentioned with Nate earlier uh, was one of the big factors in the full court press that the Jets organization made in convincing Nate Schmidt that this was a great fit for him in terms of that trade all right Weber um, and, and obviously we wanted to start off with Nate it was a perfect kind of transition from the conversation we just had um, but we have not spoken on this program since um, the moves were made last week. Um, let's start off with the Neil Pionk signing. Four years at just under $6 million. Thoughts on that? And um, and then I guess we'll take it to what that meant for Andrew Kopp yeah. and you know the team and Kopp's or representatives agreeing on a one-year deal at around 3.6. Yeah, it's, it, for me, the interesting thing with Pionk was the term. I, I wondered if at one point Pionk might be the guy that does end up going to arbitration, not because the Jets wanted to go there, but because a one-year one term might have been the more palatable situation. But when you have other guys like Darnell Nurse and Seth Jones and and some of the other guys who've been signing in the offseason being around that, that $9 million range, all of a sudden, every player that signed kind of bumped Pionk's potential long-term earnings potential up another, whether it's a million or a million and a half or whatever number you want to use. Now you're getting him locked in you know, sort of in line with that Wheeler slash Shifley slash Hellebuck window. Uh, yes, you have a one year beyond that, but you have a really stable number uh, where, you know, whatever you want to call Neil Pionk. If he's a, you know, maybe he's not a clear, you know, clear cut number one guy, but the Jets have a lot of guys who are top pairing ability type of guys, whether you want to call them number twos or really good number threes, they've stabilized. Now Neil Pionk is at a solid number for a four year term. He's going to be happy but he's not going to be complacent. This is a guy that, you know, undrafted player had to make a career for himself. He knew full well that everyone in Manitoba was saying, who is this guy the Jets have traded for Neil Pionk that we've barely, or for Jacob Truba that we've never heard of. The Jets obviously did their work with their scouting staff. They knew what they were getting, but Neil Pionk has exceeded expectations and become a really important member of this hockey team. So now you have that locked up for four year term. You got a guy who the biggest thing for me has 
Will Neil Pionk be running the first unit? Is he on the second unit? The other thing with Nate Schmidt, he's a guy that has a really big shot from the point. So do you see Wheeler, you know, facilitating from the half wall? Will you see Kyle Connor in the one-timer spot? Where are things going to go with the power play? That's a big question mark for me. But we know Neil or, uh, Nate Schmidt can help the power play as well. But we know Neil Pionk, his shot was, you know, I think improved last year from the point. So you could see a situation where the Jets go back to, you know, having Wheeler run things from the wall, Pionk at the top, and maybe Shifley slides back into the high slot or maybe he stays where he's at. I mean, will we see Nikolai Ehlers on the first power play unit uh, on that sort of flank where he gets the, you know, the the, the redirect and the, and the shot going from the point? I mean, uh, really interesting to see, but Pionk is an important signing at, I think, a reasonable number. Maybe it's slightly higher than we might have anticipated going into the offseason, but after seeing some of the other signings, it makes a whole lot of sense. Transitioning to Andrew Kopp. Obviously, there's a lot of people in town wondering, oh, does this mean Andrew Kopp didn't want to be here long term? I I can tell you with 100% certainty, Andrew Kopp was interested in signing for four or five years with the Winnipeg Jets. But what happened in the offseason with the additions of Dylan and Schmidt and then getting Pionk locked in, it didn't leave a big enough piece of the pie for Kopp to be able to lock in at a number, whether that number is four and a half or whatever the, you know, between four and a half and five, let's say. But as Andrew Kopp told us, he's happy with the number. He felt, you know, the, there was a little bit of give and take there. Would he have preferred four? Of course, but he thought he got more money than he would have got in arbitration. Yes. I know a lot of people want to say, well, this means Andrew Kopp is gone automatically. This is not the case. Andrew Kopp, does he want to know what he's worth in the open market? Sure. Probably, but he's also committed to this core group. The The term that I used is sweat equity hustler. He's invested a lot of sweat equity in this group. And he said it himself. I mean, if he had pushed and said, well, no, I want to learn long-term deal now, but you can only get it in Seattle probably, right? Or a team that isn't going to be as competitive. So he wanted to take another run with his team. And I'm going to tell you right now, Will he check out what he's worth on the open market? Probably, but that doesn't mean he will not consider signing with the Jets. So I don't think this is a, a one and done for cop. A lot of people are comparing it to other situations. This is not a guy that's dying to get out of town going somewhere else. He just wants a chance to continue to improve his standing and his enhance his role. So I think he'll have a chance to do that. He's in that kind of middle six category right now, but this is a guy who's, you know, a great third line player and has shown he can adequately adequately fit in in the top six and give you some solid production. But I mean, Cop's a guy that's never satisfied either. You know, he's coming off a career year. I expect him to have probably to build on that career year and really position. We know he's going to be motivated, Huss, right? I mean, that's one thing we know about Andrew Cop, and you're going to see it tomorrow when you have him on live again. This guy is always pushing to get better, much like Nate Schmidt. Nate Schmidt, undrafted guy, right? I mean, had to earn everything. Cop is that way. You know, he hears people saying, well, you know what? He he brought it up on his own this time. You know, I've been working on my finishing. You know, that thing that you guys always say that I can't do. That was the implication in in that interview. And I love the fact that Andrew Kopp takes that personally. And you know what he's done? Every time someone says he can't score, he goes out and scores more goals than he scored the year before. So uh, I expect him to have a really good year. 
I know some people on the asset management side are saying, well, you got to trade cop of the deadline and get something for him. I disagree completely. This is just like 2018, Huss. You had Brandon Tanev. You had Tyler Myers. You had Ben Sherratt. You wanted to sign a couple of them if you could, but this is the cost of doing business when you're a competitive team trying to win. If you get nothing at the end, that's not the way to look at it. You got seven great years of Andrew Kopp, and if you can keep him and retain him, all the better if you're the Winnipeg Jets, but this is not a you lose him for nothing situation. When you're trying to win, you do not trade Andrew Kopp for a couple of second round draft picks that might help you four years down the road. You don't know what you got in that window. You know what you have right now. Andrew Kopp is an important part of this team at the Winnipeg Jets. He's an important part of the leadership group, and he's highly motivated to have another great season, and that is what he's going to have. Yeah, and make no mistake about it. If Andrew Kopp is traded before the deadline next season, <laughs> that is a that is a disaster for the Winnipeg Jets because, I mean, you just laid it out, Ken, um, and this is partly why I think the one-year deal was paddable to, to both sides. I think they realized the cap um, implications of where they were after signing Neil Pionk. They absolutely thought that they needed him to put their best foot forward and try and win this season, and... You know, there is a risk of doing business, but, uh, you know, to your point about, you know, maintaining all your assets, you know, if, if the team was in a different stage of its development, then I'm here for that argument. That's not where this team is after the additions that Kevin Chevalier has made so far this season. So, um, and I wouldn't even rule out, Ken, that the Jets and his representatives talking after January begins yeah. on potentially working something out. I mean... You know, it'll probably have a lot to do with where Pierre-Luc Dubois is this season and what he projects to be if he's with the Jets long-term with his RFA deal coming up and as well as what's next for Paul Stastny. He's on a one-year deal. If he doesn't play beyond this season, then you've got some more money that comes up. So I think there's still a, a, a lot up in the air in this situation. It certainly doesn't have the certainty that a guy like Neil Pionk does, but that's almost a good thing for the Winnipeg Jets that they're in a situation like this, that they may have to risk losing a player like that because they do believe their opportunity to do something significant when it comes to wins and losses. And most importantly, the Stanley cup playoffs is now. Yeah. And Andrew, uh, you know, encapsulated it best, right. By saying I've been betting on myself for the last 10 years. And for people who are unfamiliar with the Andrew Kopp story, this is a guy that had to earn his way on the U S national team program after he didn't start the year with them. This is a guy who was a walk-on at the university of Michigan. He had other scholarship opportunities, but wanted to play in Ann Arbor. Guess what? By year three, Andrew Kopp was not only an important part of that team, he was the captain of that team. So this is, not a guy who's going to be nervous thinking oh you know what now i'm one year away from unrestricted free agency i have to play great he's a guy that is going to say i'm going to play great and then i'm going to cash in whether it's with the winnipeg jets or elsewhere and again i think this is a guy who wants to be in winnipeg he wants to continue to be part of it and he would love to help this team win a championship he wants to reap the rewards of what he's put in and invested so far. He sees the commitment level that the Jets management team has made this offseason in shoring up the defense and continuing to you know, bring in players who want to be there. Uh, I mean, I think, too, this is you know an underrated signing. A guy like Riley Nash, I think, is going to be an important player for the Winnipeg Jets, whether that's on the third line with Adam Lowry or more likely on the fourth line, providing a little bit of veteran stability. This guy was a great penalty killer. Uh, really smart guy, went to Cornell, loves hockey again, 
just sort of fits in with the kind of the culture the Jets are trying to bring in. And, you know, circling back to Nate Schmidt, Nate Schmidt is a culture carrier. This is a guy that people want to be around and you want to kind of build your team around. So I think it's just an absolutely a home run addition. And I think Brennan Dillon, even though he maybe not be as effusive maybe as Nate Schmidt, this is a guy that has a big personality as well, loves the game, passionate, and he's going to be a great, you know, great person in that room as well been around a lot of great players and an underrated kind of player who you know you know not a lot of Jets fans maybe know as much about because he spent so much of his career whether it be early on in Dallas when he was breaking in but then in San Jose when you know they're not staying up for the 930 starts in San Jose but this is a guy who was you know a, you know really good partner yes with Dylan DeMello as well but he also played at times with whether it was Eric Carlson or Brand Burns uh, a really good physical guy and again a good person I mean a really good person who after the initial shock of being traded after a spot that he committed to the previous summer, um, he's excited about the opportunity and, and what's happening uh, here in Winnipeg. And it'll be fascinating. Huss. I mean, there's been a lot of movement within the central division. How are all those moves going to shake down? You know, there's still some things happening with the Minnesota wild. Um, you know, the St. Louis blues are going to look markedly different. Obviously we think it's going to be Colorado and then, you know, kind of a jumble, but I think the Jets are definitely in that mix, that that two to three, two to three or four mix. And then you have a bunch of teams kind of fighting for the, you know, second wild card potentially, just because of how things look in the Pacific, where there it's Vegas. And I mean Edmonton still should be in the mix there. But after that, it's kind of, you know, wide open spaces for the third spot in the Pacific division. So uh, I think this move back to the Western Conference will be very interesting to monitor. But I mean the Jets have positioned themselves well through this offseason. And now it's a matter of, you know, putting the pieces together, seeing where guys fit. You know, there's you know, Larry Simmons and, and on the cap uh, capology side has got some maneuvering, and you know, there's a lot of things that are happening to try to max out the LTIR you know what is Cole Perfetti how is he going to factor in is that rule going to pass for him to be playing in the American League potentially if he doesn't make the Jets you know also too we have to remember yes Logan Stanley is locked in on a number where it was probably a little bit lower than we anticipated no he wasn't a big point producer but at 900,000 that gives the Jets some strong wiggle room there but it's important for Logan Stanley to have just as important offseason as he had last year this year because there's two guys we know, Huss, that were knocking on the door already that want to be in the NHL. So Logan Stanley, and I, I think he will be ready, but he's going to have to be ready for a, a challenge from guys like Billy Hanela and Dylan Sandberg, who, you know, right now it looks like they're on the Manitoba Moose. But as we know, any team that wants to go deep, Huss, you're going eight, nine, ten defensemen deep. So to have those guys now in reserve rather than, you know, squeezing three of them in the top six. Uh, that's a bit more of a luxury for Paul Maurice than what he's maybe had in years prior. Uh, you know, just quickly on that, before we move off the blue line, Ken, um, because of the way the jet blue line looks right now, as well as the term on the contracts of yep. at least the top five, how much greater do you think the chance that either a Hanel or a Sandberg is traded? I would imagine it would be more probably in and around the deadline. Uh, because listen, if you're looking to add big pieces and, you know, I, the Jets with their cap situation wouldn't, I think, be able to do it until later on in the year. And obviously there's a lot of things would affect that. Um, those are a couple pretty nice chips that, you know, would maybe be able to make a real significant trade at this point. I mean, it's not like they're looking to get rid of their prospects, but 
I think the situation the team is and what they've been able to do up until that point might dictate as to how much Kevin Sheveldayoff would consider a move involving one of those two players. Yeah, for sure, Huss. I mean, we're always looking into the future. The crystal ball always a little bit cloudy. But as you mentioned, I mean, if this is a team that if they can get back to that 17, 18 level where they're battling, you know, let's use Colorado as Nashville. If there's if there's a battle for the president's trophy or the central division title and there's a chance to push the team over the top, will the Jets have to consider moving one of their you know prime defenseman prospects? I think they would. I mean, I'm not saying they're not openly shopping these guys because these are guys they still feel are, you know, can have a potentially a big part of their future. I mean, uh, this is not a knock on, on Sandberg, but especially Hanela, he's a guy that has a lot of skill uh, to play in the top four for a team. Dylan Sandberg is kind of more along the lines of a Brendan Dillon type of player, a defense first player, but he has some offensive upside. He has some mobility and he has some mean and, and some toughness in that mean streak in him. So uh, these are prime chips and prime assets. Again, the jets, I think want to keep those assets, but of course they're going to have to consider uh, all, you know, you're going to have to consider offers going into the year, because as you mentioned, these are guys, you know, and also DeMello too, that he was not claimed. I mean, these are guys that have three and four years left on their deal. So, Either those young guys have to go out and be better than the players on those long-term deals, or there is a potential for them to be moved. And the other part of that equation has too is, you know, the progression of a guy like a Declan Chisholm on that left-hand side last year with all that great skating ability, had a chance to watch him before he was injured. I mean, the fact that they were able to hit on a guy like that in the fifth round, I mean, that gives him a little bit more, you know, maybe openness to some other deals, but I mean, Hey, We've, we've talked about him a lot. Billy Hanel is probably ready to be in the NHL right now, but right now it looks like he's going to have to wait a little bit longer. So that's not optimal if you're a Billy Hanel, but it's not a sprint. This is a, this is a marathon for a guy like him. This is a guy that's going to have a long and probably very successful NHL career. Uh, the best way to deal with potential disappointment of not being in the NHL right now is dominating at the American Hockey League level and forcing your way onto the team. Now, and I understand the reluctance of some fans saying, well, Paul Maurice will never put him on the team. That's not true. I mean, when he's ready to be on the team, he's going to have a chance and he's going to be on the team, whether it's with the Jets or with someone else. But It'll be super interesting, you know, Johnny Kovacevic signing. I mean, I think he's a guy that, you know, Huss, we talked about the the cap situation. I mean, Kovacevic might have a ch- chance to be in the mix for the number seven job, depending on how the, the way things shake down, potentially with the Nathan Beaulieu, uh, you know, going into camp and how close they can get on that LTIR Where's front. Niku? Where's Niku in all that? I yeah, mean, I, I don't see Sammy Niku be, I mean, again, his cap number fits, but uh, I still see, you know, whether this is, you know, of course the Jets are trying to get an asset for Sammy Niku. Um, we know he's been, you know, openly available. Um, is a team going to step up? Maybe some team has an injury, like you know, last year with what happened with with the Oilers. Maybe somebody gets hurt in the off season or in training camp. Uh, I, I mean, we still we talk about Seattle. I mean, Seattle seems like a place where you know they don't have a very loaded right side. It's probably a bit of a staring contest right now with Ron Francis and Kevin Cheveldayoff and. You know, Shovel Dayoff wants this, and Francis is like, well, I'm just going to get him on waivers because you're not going to have him on the team. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where both sides are trying to find uh, a happy medium, but uh, I don't see Sammy Niku and the Winnipeg Jets uh, having a – I mean, yeah, it, there's no divorce yet, but I don't see – I would say they're definitely in a separation situation, and I think where they're – it's, it's a pending divorce now, whether that's a trade or waivers or 
Um, you know, whatever, if he eventually goes back and plays in Europe, I don't know. But I think that Sammy Niku will get a chance somewhere, um, whether he becomes, you know, a Julius Honka situation where, you know, but without the first round pedigree, uh, you know, he, we know he has some offensive ability. He has some skating ability. He's got some vision. Uh, but things, I just think a, a, a clean break is probably best for both sides. Um, Kent, oh, one more in defense. I lied. Um, <laughs> opening day of the season. Yep. Where's Nate Bolio? Is he on the roster? Is he elsewhere? Um, and how do we get to that point, do you think? Yeah, we know Paul Maurice um, thinks very highly of Nate Bully. We know he's a very valued teammate, uh, you know, very popular among his teammates. He's willing to do all the dirty work, uh, stand up for his teammates and everything else. Uh, he's had a terrible run of luck when it comes to injuries. I think that right now, Hus Nate Bullyu is in the Matthew Perot situation. That unless there is a trade to be made, Nate Bullyu is probably looking at a waiver situation going into the opening day roster in terms of trying to max out the LTIR. Um, does he get assigned to the Moose like Andre Pavlik and stay there? I don't know. I mean, if that's the case, it only counts one twenty-five thousand against the cap for the Jets, but. We know the Jets would love to find a way to have Nate Bullyu around and to be that number seven guy, a guy you can plug into the lineup. But I don't know if that's financially going to be possible with, you know, the, like we said, the salary cap gymnastics are going to have to be going through. Um, it depends on, you know, the health and all of those other things. But Well, it's crazy most- to think about, Ken, but I mean, I think honestly, like this conversation is different because it's making 1.25 right. than if he's making 750 or 850. And in the big picture, it doesn't seem like much. But that's basically where the Jets are when it comes to counting every dollar to get under that number. Yeah, it's so interesting, Hassan. As you mentioned, I mean, Nate Bolu, the consummate team guy, the Jets thought they were doing him a solid by giving him, you know, the two-year deal was, you know, you know, something to do with Seattle, of course. You wanted to have the player under contract. They thought they were doing him a solid by offering him a little bit more money, whereas now Nate Bolu is probably thinking, I would much rather be making 750 because then I would be in the NHL as a guarantee, right? I mean, yes, of course, everyone wants to make 500,000 more if they can. But if that means that now you're stuck in the American League potentially instead of being in the NHL, of course you'd love to, you know, this would be a great situation for the NFL. This contract would be ripped up. Nate Bowley would be the first to sign at (laughs) 750, but that's just not going to be possible. So, um, I mean, there's other things too. You know, we know the leadership side and, you know, maybe there's a team that needs to get to the floor or whatever else. I mean, high character players get opportunities, especially when they're first round draft picks. So, but again, this isn't necessarily to say that Nate Bullyu's time with Winnipeg Jets is done, but you're right, Huss. Right now, this the numbers don't add up uh, to it looking like Nate Bullyu can be carried as the seventh defenseman coming out of training camp. But that depends on how he plays and all these other things and if someone else gets hurt. So, um, I think it would be premature to be, you know, running him out of the league or saying he's going to definitely be with the Moose. But that is definitely going to be a possibility if they can't find a way to make the finances work. But as we mentioned, Paul Maurice loves Nate Beaulieu. And if they can find a way to have him on the roster, I think he would be the se- he would be the, you know, the first choice to be the seventh defenseman. But whether that's going to be financially feasible or not, that I can't tell you on August 18th. Yeah, I mean, if there's anything going in Sammy Niku's favor, it's the 750. Uh, 725 even. 725, excuse yeah. me, beside the numbers. So, um, and and it's crazy to think, but, you know, right now, even coming off everything that the organization, organization's been through without fans in the building, I mean, we are talking about maybe the tightest cap situation we've seen in 10 years uh, going into season 11 for the Winnipeg Jets. 
You know what? I'll save the Ehlers chat for another time. We've got plenty of time before the upcoming season, before things get in. But Ken, while we're here, can you give us an update on the golf tour? <laughs> Where have you been? How have things, you know, many folks that, you know, don't get out as often are envious every time they fire up Weeb's World on Twitter and see you playing another great course. How has it been? Um, and uh, what stood out to you? Uh, any gems that maybe people haven't seen that they should be checking out? Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, I mean, man, it's uh, you're right. This is the time of the year where people are, you know, half of them are cheering and half of them are wanting to tell you where to go when it comes to posting of the golf photos. Most people still are at least a little bit happy. So uh, after a slow start to the year, I, today was my uh, you know 18th consecutive day of playing. I had 19 rounds in those 18 days, thanks to, uh, you know, 54 holes in 20, 28 hours at Clear Lake uh, last week there. So I played Breezy again this week, Huss, and, you know, spoke with Corey Johnson as you mentioned I mean the projects on three and six are coming along incredibly well they might be open by the end of the week potentially so uh, great to get out there played Pine Ridge uh, this morning uh, was out with uh, Sean Reynolds yesterday we had the first uh, ready sighting Kenny and Ready sighting this yeah, summer we had a rare, he he's doing? been doing we a lot of camping Sean. yeah he's been doing a lot of camping um, and I even got back to the, uh, you know, the old home course, uh, played Southwood on the weekend as well. And I mean, the one thing with the weather, I mean, we know that it had been a challenge for some courses, but the rain that we had last week just really spruced up a lot of the courses that I've been at. Uh, and even in the, in the times where the rain was tough with the drought, uh, the greens were exceptional in a lot of places. I mean, Falcon is in just absolutely fabulous shape, uh, you know, even brought up to Granite Hills. I mean, as you know, the, the boys are headed up for the, uh, the MGI this weekend. So, uh, Almost every course that I played on has been uh, absolutely fabulous. It's been a fun summer. A couple of courses I'd never played before. I played Netley Creek for the first time, played Oakwood, uh, even got out to, uh, you know, Scottswood Links, played, you know, Minnewasta. We know Morton's having trouble with the water, but the greens were fantastic at Minnewasta and uh, Carmen's in great shape. I mean, pretty much every course I played has, has been pretty much fabulous, you ever, Huss. You ever play Oak Island? I, I, I have. We have discussed this. Yes. Uh, I it's got been taken a few out years there now. by Jeff Paulson. We were going to mm -hmm. do a gig. I, I was doing a gig on uh, Canada Day weekend at uh, Country Fest. Yeah. And he said, well, let's go early. You know, we'll play Clear Lake, but let's get up a bit earlier and we'll go and play. And I'd never heard of it. It's amazing. It, dude, it is. And it's in an area where it's so lightly populated. I think that's the biggest challenge for the course. If they were around more people, I think everyone would know about it. But um that's another little gem. Is there another course that maybe people haven't heard of or haven't played that they should make a point of booking off a day, making the drive out and doing that? Rural courses uh, outside the city of Winnipeg that might take you a little while to get. No, no, no problem. I mean, too, our, our buddy Robert Lafrenet uh, has a place up at Buffalo Point. Buffalo Point is another one of those great tracks that, uh, you know, it's a little bit, you know, for some folks, it's a little bit far. It's kind of like it's kind of like the Hecla of the South, if you will. Uh, and I've even got to give a quick shout out to my home course growing up. Oakview Golf Course uh, near Gretna is just in tremendous. It's a nine hole track. It's in tremendous shape this year, Huss. Uh, I played Links of the Lake also this year. It's a nice one up by Gimli. Uh, and again, as I mentioned, Netley Creek is a place that I'd never played before. It's a great layout. It's maybe about 45 minutes out of town. And uh, Oakwood's another place that I've played a few more times. It's a little bit uh, you know, closer to my place. And as, as you know, our, our buddies out from St. Mallow, uh, Maplewood's a track that has really uh, come along really nicely in the last couple of years as well. So th that's the one thing. We are so blessed. 
uh, in our province husks, uh, you know, whether it's Steinbach, Fly-In, Corio, like there's so many outstanding tracks in Manitoba at such an affordable price point compared to, you know, some of the other provinces. And, uh, you know, one of the great, you know, one of the few great things about COVID is that the golf industry is thriving, whether that's with memberships or play being up and, um, yeah, it's just, it's been fantastic. And, you know, as you know, I mean, summers are a little bit different for, for hockey writers, especially one in, in my situation, but NHL goes quiet in August. So if that's the case, we know we're going to be busy in about make you know, the most of it. Ken. We know, we know the there's only going to be four weeks before camp. Uh, uh, there's always that little tinge of guilt by, you know, when you can't always get out with your buddies, but you know, golf's such a great sport and it's great to be able to get out with friends. And the other part too, I know you had a great chat with DB there. Uh, I was at the opener. I sat in the seats with a couple of buddies uh, from my hometown and it was really, it was a really interesting and fun experience to be in a place with 30,000 people again. I mean, we saw, you know, you had Nate Schmidt coming from the ballpark, but I mean, as someone who'd covered hockey for basically a year and a half and, you know, all you're used to is piped in noise. Uh, it was great to be in a facility where there were actual sounds and the joy that, I mean, you talk about the sh- joy with Nate Schmidt. I mean, you saw the joy, what it meant to, I mean, you know, everyone knows the story. I mean, almost 30 years, uh, you know, almost two years to put a banner up. Um, but people just, it was such a kind of unifying thing to bring the community to sports can bring people together and to see the joy on the faces of so many bomber fans, you know what it meant to them that the moment happened. I mean, we saw it when the parade happened, you know, when Sarah Oleska and I walked the parade route, but this is something that inside the facility, Hussey, you were there like to see the joy on the faces of those bomber fans. And then to see the joy of people, you're running into people you haven't seen. Exactly. Just in two people. years. I mean, what's up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think Scott Billick described it as uh, Manitoba's biggest social where you, I mean, if you took a walk around the stadium, you were bound to run into people either in your inner circle or your outer circle, or whether it's a friend from high school or whatever. Uh, I thought that was just an absolutely uh, fabulous moment. And, Uh, It was fun to hear those things. Like, you know, anyone who's gotten into sports, you're a sports fan. If you got into sports, you know, journalism of any kind, it was cool to be part of, you know, seeing that unfold in front of you. And it, you know, elicited a lot of emotions from a lot of people. And uh, it gives me great excitement to um, potentially be going back into a situation where you're going to have at least partially full, if not full hockey buildings, you know, provided things continue to stay under control with COVID. And let's be real, like what Nate Schmidt talked about. I mean, games in an empty arena are better than no games at all, but there's nothing like the feeling of being in a building when it's electric. I mean, we've talked about this a lot. I happen to be fortunate enough to be at the bat flip game in Toronto on a way home from a Jets road trip. I mean, that's something where, I'd love to feel 45,000 people going absolutely bonkers, right? Never mind the Nate Schmidt Selly after making that catch in front of 15,000. The the sound in that, I've been at a lot of cool events, a lot of cool things, you know, great, you know, <laughs> the digs touchdown, unbelievable. I was in the building in Minnesota for that, but the bat flip game, the sound that it made off the bat and then the roar of the 45,000, that, that's something that, I'll never forget. I mean, you and I were at Kansas city for game six, which was also bonkers. You know, obviously game seven didn't go as well, but you got your, you got your, you got your celly the year later, but that that's something that is so beautiful about sports. It's tough to articulate 
but it's so special to be involved, whether you're watching on TV or not, but there's nothing like being in person for events like that. And I think it's going to be another great thing about what's going to be happening, you know, whether it's in the CFL this summer or in the fall within the NHL. There's nothing that brings our communities together, like sports and entertainment. I mean, those are the big, big crowds and um, we've missed it a lot. Uh, Kenny, this has been great. I, I have to take uh, I have to take one on me. I do have another question. It's actually now a two parter from someone coming in. I meant to lead off with this question, but then we got talking about Nate Schmidt just because of the way it is. <laughs> yeah. What's the latest on Evgeny, Evgeny Smechnikov oh, right, um, yeah. to the Jets? You talked about that. And um, I don't, we don't have to go too much onto this, but I know Carrie in chat was wondering, like, what about the backup goalie situation? The backup goalie situation is Eric Comrie's to lose, I'd imagine. And if it doesn't go well, they figure something out on the waiver wire. But, I mean, that's what they have to spend at backup goalie, right? Yeah, absolutely. Eric Comrie will be given the opportunity to win the job. And and what I have been telling people, uh, you know, about this, uh, who had heard of Lauren Bressois? How, how many people outside of serious hardcore hockey fans had heard of Lauren Bressois before he was signed to that one-way contract three years ago by the Winnipeg Jets? So we know who Eric Comrie is. He was a higher, you know, highly touted prospect. Yes, and this is not a knock on Bressois, who came in and did an excellent job as the backup and really boosted his stock and has landed in a great spot with the Vegas Golden Knights. But it's an opportunity for Eric Comrie. Some people say, well, he hasn't been able to steal the job yet. Well, he's never had the opportunity to have the inside track on the job. The only other time he would have maybe potentially had the job is if he had stolen it from Lauren Bressois when Bressois got here. So we know that Comrie has been, you know, an above average to, you know, all bordering on at times an elite goalie at the American league level. Can that translate into the NHL level? We're about to find out. Uh, we know Connor Hellebuck is going to get 62-ish starts, let's say, 60 to 64. Uh, can Eric Conry give the Jets 20 games and 12 to 14 wins? Well, we're going to find out. And as you mentioned, he's earned the opportunity to do so based on his work. If he can't handle the job, he's not going to hang on to the job. But he's earned the opportunity to have the confidence instilled in him to go out and say, show me you can do the job. And that's what he's going to try to do. When it comes to Svechnikov, uh, I, I think... You know, this is just a situation to me, at least this is my outward thought on this. I think there's, we know there's mutual interest, which is what I reported. Um, I think he'd be a great kind of, you know, low risk kind of potentially high reward kind of, you know, I wouldn't call it a gamble. Uh, this is a guy who was drafted, you know, 19th overall in 2015, I believe. Um, the Jets had interest at the time. I had Svechnikov in my mock draft at 17 as one of my Twitter followers. Uh, you know, we always talk about keeping the receipts. Well, somebody <laughs> kept the receipts and, and was quick to say, well, glad this didn't happen. Well, nobody thought the Jet- Kyle Connor was dropping to the Jets at 17. So Svechnikov coming off two 32 goal seasons with the Cape Red and Screaming Eagles would have looked like a great addition at the time. But he played he's with had Dubois a couple too, in- didn't he? Say again? He, he did play with, with Dubois. Dubois. I think they played on a line together, at least for some of that time. So Svechnikov left shot, uh, who plays the right side, twofold for me, Huss. Um, Christian Veselainen insurance and also And the insurance part, I say, is because Veselainen hasn't played a lot on his offside. And secondarily, he has chemistry with David Gustafson on his left side with Gustafson at center. So I think it's twofold. You could see Svechnikov potentially with Lowry and Kopp or whatever formula they have. I know some people have been saying, well, he played with Dubois before. Maybe he'll play with him again. I don't see that at least out of the gate. Uh, It gives you some insurance. I would think it would be a league minimum deal. And What's the holdup? Everyone's saying, well, here's the holdup. I mean, Kevin Sheveldayev is probably saying, 
um, either I need you to take a two way deal or I can only offer you 750. And the agent is probably thinking, well, 750 is a nice backup plan, but I still have a month to figure out or a couple of weeks to figure out if I can get something better on a one way ticket. So, uh, that is probably, to me, that's what the holdup is. Um, if there is a holdup at all, but, uh, that, that's sort of how I view that situation. So I do think it would be a low risk move. That would be a smart move. Uh, some folks have pointed out he had pretty decent defensive metrics, but this is a guy that can score. I mean, heavy shot, uh, known, you know, big frame and has some skill, but it just hasn't translated at the NHL level yet. But, you know, a guy that could bring, you know, has definitely some potential to grow. And he was a very good American League player, very good junior player. And maybe a change of scenery and change of, uh, you know, stylistic system might do him some good. Uh, and one other thing else that, you know, one, a one year anniversary of the Dale Howard Chuck uh, passing, uh, great news with what was coming out from last week, whether it's the, you know, the Ducky Pond Hockey Classic and to see the statue go up. Uh, anyone who watched the Jets in the 80s, I think that's probably going to be uh, a pretty cool moment and, and nice touch to have, uh, you know, Dale Howard Chuck way around by the arena as well. And uh, we've talked about this before. I mean, the, you know, Dale's a guy that I was fortunate enough to talk to on several occasions uh, because of his relationship with Mark Shifley. But that was always one of the situations where you wish you had made that call earlier. You know what I mean? You never wanted to bother him because you knew he was busy. But uh, this is a guy that loved loved hockey, loved talking about hockey. He could not have been more proud of the development Mark Shifley had made, whether that was when he was still in junior or, you know, at the World Juniors or at the World Championship or becoming an elite-level NHLer. Um, obviously, that was a very sad day and continues to be, but uh, the, the fact that he's being honoured uh, in that way is great. And one other thing, too, I mean, on the weekend, uh, it was the 10-year anniversary of uh, Rick Rippon's passing. It, um, obviously, there's been some great things happening around the NHL and specifically in one of Manitoba on the, uh, you know, project 11 kind of stuff. But uh, you know, I think it was important to shout that out as well. Huss. I mean, I was fortunate. I was, I was there for Rick Rippon's first game when he joined the Manitoba moose. I can re- vividly remember the, the happiness in Rick Rippon's voice on that July 1st call after he had signed with the jets, after being with Vancouver, um, we knew there had been some challenges, but this was it. You could. I'll always remember the sound of his voice, and I'm going to tell you right now that there was so much emotion. Talking about emotion, I mean, there was tons of emotion for that first game back um, when Rick Rippon's mother dropped the puck for Game One. That is something that I'll always remember, and and that was something too. Or um, not to make this about me because it's not, but I wrote an open letter to Rick's mom in the paper for the Winnipeg Sun the next day because it moved me. It was something that. I was very emotional and it was something that I wanted to share because Rick was a really good person. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad to see that there is still a legacy there. And I think Rick would be so incredibly proud of the work that is being done on the mental well or mental health and wellness side of things uh, long after his passing here. Uh, very well said, Ken on uh, Rick on Dale and uh, everything else we talked about, man. It had been too long. It was great to have you back on the program. You had a lot fired up for us today. This is phenomenal. Well, thanks for having me, Hassan. Again, when I saw that you had me, uh, you know, pushed a little bit back for Nate Schmidt, I knew I had to have the high energy coming because, yes. uh, you know, it, it's hard to try to reach that Nate Schmidt level. But uh, I tried my best to to get up there, and uh, haven't I haven't been able to tell anybody to wake up for quite a, you know quite a few weeks here. So uh, I was fired up to go, and uh, it's always great to talk to you, and uh, look forward to our next visit as well, Hassan. And as always, uh, you know, hundreds of birthday wishes coming in the chat for you as well, Ken. <laughs> 
So uh, I hope you have a great night tonight. As uh, as always, make the most of it. Uh, hey, buddy, let's do this again soon. All the best. Uh, hit him straight. Cheers, buddy. Take care. Thanks. <laughs> there he is. Ken Weave, our great friend. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Weeb's World. Most of it right now is uh, shots from golf courses around the province, uh, but he has had some Jets nuggets as well, including uh, that report of mutual interest between the Jets and free agent Evgeny Svechnikov. Uh, man, what a great show this has been. Big thanks to uh, Darren Bombing, who joined us first. And then, I mean, the conversation with Nate Schmidt was phenomenal. Ken Weeb was bringing it today. Let's get Michael Remus back in here. We do have a couple things to get to before we're uh, before we're finished. And we are somewhat up against it because we do want to get these podcasts out. Um, but Remo, Remo, uh, Remo, Kenny really did bring it. The energy level of Weeb was uh, as high as it's been mm-hmm. in a long time. And I think everyone uh, everyone feels a little bit more juice after they've just heard Nate Schmidt talking about the upcoming season. Yeah, Nate Schmidt was awesome. Good to know that Nate Schmidt is like every one of us who keeps the N64 uh, at the cottage and puts it in a bag and takes it on the road. Uh, I'm curious what character he's into. You can tell a lot about a person by which Mario uh, Kart character they're in. Is, it, uh, is he a Yoshi guy? Is he DK, Wario, Mario, Luigi? I'm not sure, but... I think valid, all valid questions, but also great that he was at a Twins game. And it was funny, yeah. we were talking I mean, to... Yeah, for him great. to take 20 minutes to, from the ballpark to go yeah. and do that was, uh, I don't know, listen, I'm very impressed with Nate. We were excited to talk to him, and he absolutely brought it. Can't wait to, as he said, hopefully do it in person at some point next season yeah. when he gets to Get, Winnipeg. We'll stream Mario Kart, that's the plan. All right, uh, the one thing, listen, I could have spent the first hour Barry Horowitz and myself for my performance at Assiniboia Downs last night, but as I tweeted out last night, I did have the biggest win yet, uh, personally, in our season in the duel with the Downs. Last night, my one four five triactor in race number five, so $1 bet, six ways, so six bucks in total, came in. And paid 129 bucks. So that was the biggest one. I actually had a couple other wins. I am heating up right now, right when I needed to try to make a bit of a push to catch Remus after his great start this year. Uh, we've got another full slate of live racing tonight at Assiniboia Downs, 7.30 start. If you want far better picks than ours, tune in to Assiniboia Downs live on their YouTube channel. At 6.45, Kirk and Stretch will give you all the info and 411 on what's coming up tonight. Uh, and they'll, as well, give you updates throughout the evening in between races. So if you're not at the track, the YouTube channel is a great way to be a part of the action at Assiniboia Downs. And you can bet at hpibet.com with all of your selections. Remo, I am on a heater. I will start it off. Here are my picks for tonight. Starting it off in race one. Race one, this is a weird one where none of the horses have raced, I don't think, at all this year, except for a couple. So it's sort of a wide, uh, wide open race. I'm going to go with Lucky Chucky, horse number five to win. We'll throw a toonie on that for a, for a win. Uh, we're going to get a little bit more serious in race number two. Uh, had that one four five triactor that was the winner yesterday. We're going right back to those same numbers for race number two. We're taking Tiger by his tail. We're taking Bucky's pick. I had to have Bucky's pick. Shout out to Connor Hellebuck. And life's been good so far. So one, four, and five in race number two. We'll do that same $1 tractor box. It's a $6 bet. Couple Quinellas coming up. Race number three, we're going to go with one, six, Candy Giant. Uh, we spent a lot of time talking Candy Giant over the last couple of years. Hasn't been as banner of a season for Candy Giant, but 
I like the chances for the Giant to get back in, at least in the top two. And I'm going to pair Candy Giant up with Tap Master, number six, for a 1-6 Quinella in number three. Going to race number four, we're going to do another Quinella. And uh, we're going to take race number, or horse number seven, uh, I believe it's the favorite right now, Orange Theory, as well as a more longer shot, Reasonable Cause, which is horse number five. So a 5-7 Quinella in race number four. And then we're finishing it off with another Triactor, $1 Triactor wheel, $6 bet. This is a bigger race. There's eight horses in it. We are going to go with horse number two, West Princess. Horse number three, Kamano Comet, coming off uh, back-to-back wins and pairing it up with horse number eight, NJ's Brass. So a three two, eight triactor for race number five. And uh, if I hit any winners, maybe we'll get a little touch on six and seven if I have time to pay attention to that during my fantasy auction. Remo, what do you got for us for tonight? Yeah, I've got a bit of a lead, a small lead, but it's dwindling with my performance in your big win the other day, being yesterday, last night. Um, let's go race four. I'm on the later ones here. Uh, horse four, Maybella to win. I've bet on that horse before and it has worked out for me. So I like that. I have the familiarity. I feel like I know the horses race five. I'm also in a triactor box here. I'm on three, five and eight. Is that the same as yours? I know you had command comment. I'm not no, sure. I went three, uh, I went three, two and eight. I okay. know three, five and eight are the, I find that the, the, the program picks usually two of the mm. three come in. So my new yeah. thing is finding one of the longer shots that might sneak in and bounce him. Yeah, you, out. So you that's got where I'm at. There you go. And then I am on uh, race six, uh, horse seven to win top of the rock. Hopefully they're top of the standings after that one. Ha ha ha. And then race seven. What do I have? Uh, horse one, hidden dreams to show. Oh, that's their that's a four dollar bet so excellent so, so there you th- have it those folks. are my picks yeah hpibet.com we'll let you know how we do tomorrow and um again whether you're going out to the track of course vlts and the restaurant are open from 9 a.m until 12 15 uh and you will need proof of vaccination for the 50 percent on the lower level um where you can be outside you can be inside should be a great night again tonight at assiniboia downs all right before we go, uh, a couple things. Women's Worlds is getting going. We got preliminary uh, pre-tournament action happening tonight out in Calgary. Um, Jay, we talked about the Jays a little earlier. Real tough without George Springer. He has been so important and so valuable to the team when he's been in. But man, he's been hurt a lot. Certainly need him. Jays teeing off uh, right about now. Actually teeing off. I keep saying that. We're talking, thinking too much golf. First pitch happening just about right away. And uh, you know, with all the kicking discussions here in Winnipeg, I know the name Liram Hiralahu came up quite a bit, Remus, uh, but it sounds like he's getting more opportunity in the National Football League signing with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, Greg. Not the first, not the first CFL kicker to end up in Big D. No. Um, yeah, that, uh, Greg Zerline, Greg the Leg, who's been really consistent over the last couple of years, he's heard, bring in Liram. Uh, let's see if he can stick. He's been gunning for that uh, NFL job. For a long time so you know we wish him all the best and that was a name you know I, it's always interesting when you hear um you know former cfl them is being tweeted by the big uh, nfl insiders tom pelicero uh, tweeting out that one um do we want to talk about german marquez and his <laughs> should, should incredibly, we just <laughs> incredibly gutsy performance yesterday in the major leagues should we bring it up yeah we might as well you kind of just did so should i show the tweet 
Yeah, you may as well. And I'll read it out for the podcast listeners. This is what this is what commitment is like. Uh, this is from Thomas Harding. Rockies manager Bud Black said right-handed pitcher German Marquez was sick. Diarrhea, to be exact. He held the Padres through one hit for the first six innings, fade in the seventh, but also <laughs> drove in a couple runs in the win. That Can you imagine how nervous you would be on the mound with all those cameras and thousands of people watching you if you're on the verge of a breach? I mean, credit to them for coming out and saying what it was. You know, don't want to Was it a anything. lower body injury? Yeah. Lower body issue? They said, hey, man. I mean, look, everyone has diarrhea. Everyone's dealt with it. And um, credit to Bud Black for being honest. And credit to German Marquez. I had him on my fantasy team. So I needed those innings. I needed that, you know, that one hit uh, performance. He gutted it through for you. Yeah, I needed the yeah the gutsy performance, but uh, well done. I mean, it's tough. I mean, they're baseball players. They're just like us, us going through everyday things, and um, and he pitched through it. I mean, we all remember Luongo, um, you know, missing the start of overtime. Lamar Jackson famously running to the washroom during many. I don't think they ever announced that he had, but I think it was no. pretty obvious by the way he was running. So, I mean, look. There's no shame in having diarrhea, Huss, and credit to Bud Black for uh, letting it be known. <laughs> you got it. Uh, Yanni Gord, we saw the poutine in the Stanley Cup earlier this week of Matthew Joseph. Uh, Yanni Gord is now on to Seattle getting his day with the Cup, and uh, pretty cool to see that uh, that French taffy being made out of it. Um, just another day in the life of the Stanley Cup. No one... No inanimate object has a more interesting life than the Cup. And here, if you're watching on YouTube... Here it is. It looks like Randy Gord and uh, his uh, girlfriend or wife or fiance, who is far better at doing this than he is. Yeah, um, she was pro. She was ready to go for a while. Then they do it. Oh, a little taffy cheers as well. Nicely done. Probably a wild, wild summer for him, um, knowing that you know you're celebrating another Stanley Cup championship, but going all the way across the continent to play for the NHL's newest team. Yeah, I'm I'm not familiar with this French taffy, but it looks like they like pour some stuff on it like uh, ice and then they scoop it up with syrup. a stick. I, yeah. I think essentially it's like pure maple syrup, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, mm. someone in the chat might know the uh yeah, <laughs> no doubt. The amount of crap people have eaten out of that cup, ick. I think it's clean. Yeah. <laughs> they no do doubt. a good good job, uh <laughs> keeper of the cup. Uh they I'm sure it's sanitary. Right. You know what? Uh, the other topic we were going to hit today, uh, and you can can that uh, that video now, um, just so we don't have to keep hearing it. Oh, um, sorry. You're, are you, is people hearing SoFi that? Stadium, this new billion-dollar stadium, Homes and the Rams and Chargers, is getting absolutely nuked right now online because for maybe the most exorbitant fees in sports from the looks of it, it's like the fire fest of stadium food, Reem. Some of the worst looking stadium food I've ever seen coming out of this place. I mean, I saw a piece of pizza that I wouldn't have looked twice at. It was apparently 15 bucks. Poor fans of California. They've been through a lot and now they're being extorted even more by the owners of the Rams, I guess, to start. And um, we'll even include the Chargers there, even though they are a secondary tenant. Here, it's Darren Rovell tweeting This is a $15 slice of pepperoni pizza. Really? That 15 bucks. There's like four pepperonis. US. On there. It's like 20 bucks Canadian. <laughs> that is uh that is insane. And I think we gotta give credit uh, to Arthur Blank, um, owner of the Atlanta Falcons, for how they've handled their stadium food. We've talked about it before. Charge charge less and people will buy more. 
And like how many $15 pepperoni slices that look like that, that are, I mean, if you're buying 15 bucks, you better be getting a whole pizza. Um, I don't know like why all like when teams decide they can just charge whatever the hell they want and people will pay no matter what. I think um, at a certain point we're getting yeah. to the end of the road. I don't, I think Rams fans will be eating before they go into the game. If that's what they're getting for 15 bucks. Um, Listen, we do need to get out, though. I always get brain damage when the podcast is up late. And usually if it's up late, that means we've gone very long. But we do have to thank Darren Baumick for joining us. Awesome conversation with Nate Schmidt from Target Field, where he was at the Twins game. If you missed that, make sure to back it up on the YouTube or check it on the podcast. And some great Jets talk with Ken Weeb. It was great to have him back on the program. As always, big shout out to our sponsors, Royal Sports. Uh, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club, Paramount Services Limited, Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Little Brown Jug, Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club, and Cool Bet Canada. Folks, uh, another big show coming up tomorrow. We'll get ready for the week in the Canadian Football League with Marshall Ferguson, and we'll welcome back to the program Andrew Kopp after he signed his one-year deal with the Winnipeg Jets last week. Thanks to the guests. Thanks to all of you for being a part of the day. Spread the word. Make sure you're subscribed with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk on YouTube. And we'll see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. right here on uh, your daily sports fix in Peg City, WST Daily. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.